Hello, it is Coach Us Up Chuck, Wednesday, December 1st, 2021. Rabbit, rabbit. <laughs> All right, we got a big time show today. Listen, today's show is a fucking big one. Matt Leiner stops by. Oh, a Heisman winner. Okay. Chuck Pagano stops by. Oh, legendary NFL coach. Coach Us Up Chuck, he stops by. Oh, 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 okay. Bill Burr fucking stops by. Oh, oh, okay. And then obviously all the boys and A.J. Hawk, and we say some dumb stuff, we say some good stuff. If by the end of this thing you enjoy it, please be a friend, tell a friend. If not, just say, I don't know. Today's one of those ones where you ha- I think you will like. I mean, there's a lot of bad shows, but today I think it's a good one. Be a friend, tell a friend. Let's get to it. Guys, in the 12th month. Hell yeah. Wow. Well, that is, of course, if you believe in months and time and them being in a concurrent order from January through December. Because although my year begins and ends with the Super Bowl and the beginning of the football season and the free agency and all that, I run on a football calendar. December is a meaningful time because this football means more than any other football. Who are the pretenders? Who are the contenders? Mm. We've been saying that for three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. We've been banging this drum for a long time, but we promise this particular beat of the drum is accurate we're about to learn a lot about a lot of teams and yesterday we made some you know uh, headlines obviously with our conversation with Aaron Rodgers he could get surgery it would not keep him out of a game he is feeling good all that shit took a took a couple shots at some people yeah uh, that uh, blue check uh, uh, group did not necessarily love but that was awesome we also uh, were forced to address something that we would now like to to re recant. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Have to do it. At Ty Schmidt, at Boston Connor, at Tone Diggs is here. Yeah, one half done. of the hammered down cow boys. The leader of the Super Boost going in go. tomorrow night. Here we go. Here we go, Tony. The Super Boost was on the other half of the hammered down cowboys just a couple weeks ago. Gumpy. Then it was on me. Mm-hmm. Now it's on Diggs. Dig saddles the super boost horse and hopefully runs us into a goddamn heater. Come on, we're trying to do. We're trying to get on a heater because we think at this point, with what has happened between us and FanDuel this season, and although the same game parlays were risk free, none of them hit. No, no, close. Some of the fucking kneel down from the man in the arena, presented by Under Armour. Uh (laughs) The beginning of that thing is so terrible. The rest of it is awesome. (laughs) The way they get into the episode, though, is so clunky. Uh (laughs) Just what are you doing? Just get to the fucking shit. We get Under Armour, okay? We get it. But that show is awesome. But if it wasn't for a kneel down or two at the end of a game with his rush yards, that super boost hits. We're living in a completely different lifestyle, Mm -hmm. I think. A different, you know, aura, different energy. But those didn't hit. No. Then the Super Boost started losing. Uh, had a couple winners. So FanDuel had been, you know, beating the shit out of us. So yeah. now what we are trying to do is catch a heater. Mm-hmm. And the only way we can catch a heater is we have to figure out which horse is about to go on a run. That's right. This is a craps table. You pass the die when seven comes, and then inevitably it's going to hit somebody that is standing down there, and all, all the energy starts coming. Oh, oh, my. Oh, 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 oh. Let's go! Yeah, been there. That's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to be the guy holding the die yeah. when that is happening yeah. as well. Been there a couple times. That is a blast. Also been there uh, as one of the many that have been uh, seven. Uh, shit. 
Four, okay, that's gonna be tough. Seven! Okay, I've been a part of that whole thing. That's no fun at all, okay? We are trying to find the hot die, Mm -hmm. and we are willing to do whatever because we have to get our money back from FanDuel in the longest NFL season that the NFL has ever had with 17 games, 18 weeks. We are gonna do that, and it starts tomorrow with Tony Day. Here we go, Tony. Tony. Here we go, Tony. I say all of that to tell you this. We try to get it right around here. We try. We We try to get it right. Every day. You know, in in our eyes, we Mm -hmm. try to get it as right as possible. We don't talk about things we don't know about. And when we talk about things we don't know about, we actually say, hey, listen, nobody's thinking I'd like to hear about insert thing we don't know about from Pat McAfee. Mm -hmm. And then we say because we have to talk about it. But anytime we try to chat you know, about something. We try to see our sources, if our our sources, sources are good. Uh-huh. We try to get a little credibility or, or, or just a little, you know, maybe a a dash of truth in there. Because in The Daily Show, we have to ride. You have to. We sure. have to ride the waves because we're here every single day. And I'm naturally that type of human. I'm going to go, even though oh, yeah. Coach is up, Chuck, which is happening today in about an hour and 10 minutes, says don't ride the ebbs in the flows. you got to be very sturdy. <laughs> I, I, I ride them mm-hmm. in this particular world because we have to. But we like to at least try to get something. We buried the Steelers locker room, mm-hmm. the current Steelers locker room, yeah. because of a quote that came through a tweet that hit the internet yesterday from Mike Tomlin addressing Ryan Clark addressing Chase Claypool. And Mike Tomlin said, hey, if Ryan Clark wants to speak on this, it's cool because he knows the Steelers culture better than anyone. Okay? He spoke about the tweet that we saw from Aditi said mm-hmm. that, Ryan Clark knows more about what the culture is supposed to be than everybody in the locker room. So when Chase Claypool says, I want music at practice, and when Minka Fitzpatrick says, hey, we can move a little bit differently, we can do things different in practice, and then you hear Mike Tomlin saying, hey, these old motherfuckers know a lot more than these current motherfuckers, you have to automatically assume, oh, shit, there's some real. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, yeah. it feels like there's some real, because they not, Mike Tomlin, is one of the best sound bites. Doesn't give up shit. Doesn't say anything about anybody. Doesn't his players. He is an incredible interview. He's incredibly entertaining. Him saying something that we read in the tweet from Aditi was very much out of like, oh, okay, here we go. Like this is a real thing. So we went on and we yeah. talked at uh, ad nauseum about this team's dead. Yeah. yeah. We even started talking about the TikTok and the dancing on the logos. That's right. And everything. And oh my God, we're, it's over. And we watched Man in the Arena last night and oh. a big part of it was Ben Roethlisberger slinging it. Yeah. And Tom Brady going, you know, nobody knew Big Ben at the time. He was Great player, really good player, coming in his own and all this stuff. And Steelers fans, you know, got a chance to reminisce about the good old days when the Patriots were worried and, and thought about yeah. them and yeah. had to run into them late. And then now you got the coach burying the players oh. and the players talking about the coach Jeez. and it looks like they're going to lose for the first time and Ben's have to retire at some point. And that only happened. So we had to have that conversation. Had to. Turns out it wasn't what he said at all. No, no it wasn't. He, at all. There was just like three <laughs> words there at the end that were left off that really changed the whole thing. And I have no idea how that happens unless you're purposefully trying to get people to think that there's more wow. drama than there is. Hmm. Or if you just misheard it. I guess if you just misheard it. But goddamn, that tweet, it, it pushed us in a direction. Oh, yeah. And we are idiots. We apologize for being very dumb. But whenever you read, do we have the original tweet? I, I believe, Diggs, you took a photo of I it. I just sent it into the group. Diggs, you sent it into the this. this is the tweet uh, that we saw that gave us the initial reaction to go, oh, the Steelers locker room and Tomlin are at odds. Uh-oh. 
Aditi, who covers the Steelers, has been covering the Steelers for a long time for yep. the NFL Network. Mike Tomlin on Ryan Clark's take on not recognizing his beloved Steelers. Guys that have been here, guys that have been in that room, guys that understand the standards, they probably have a better understanding than the guys that are in that room now. Okay? That's, yeah. So that is, when we saw that, and Aditi works for the NFL and covers the Steelers and has a lot of, listen, this is not, Aditi has broke a lot of news, has covered a lot of things for the Steelers. This is just one. We have a lot of respect for Aditi, which is why whenever we saw that tweet we go oh okay. shit <laughs> but actually the clip from Mike Tomlin goes as such and it's a little bit different and this is also not being big enough journalists but god damn it we saw a big time journalist put a tweet out and it's like holy yeah. hell yeah. in real time we thought the world was shattering underneath the Steelers Yenzer land mm -hmm. this is what Tomlin actually said that have been here um, guys have been in that room guys that understand the standards uh, that we aspire to um, they probably have a better understanding of that than anybody that's not uh, in that room right now. That's not in that room right now is the thing that was kind of, you know, missed yeah. in yeah. between the two. Yeah. And I don't know if it was just a mis mishearing or a, or a, a, like a, a troll, like maybe what, what Aaron does and we didn't catch the tone, or if she just you know, simply tried to make us look very stupid because we are idiots and we'll run with that thing immediately. So I would like to apologize because I do know that people, you know, and I mean, I guess like, pfft, humble brag here, dude. Like there's a lot of people in that building that listen to this show. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of people in that yeah. building that listen to this show in different positions in the, in the entire thing. And yesterday when we go on that whole thing, I get a text like, yo, 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 what are we even, what are we even, what's going on here? And then you listen to it back. It's like, holy shit, how often does this happen? We got to be better, boys. Hey, hey, we got to be better out here. That's not on us. Yeah, no, that is. We got to be better out here, Tone. Hey, you're... I understand you're solely focused on saddling the super boost oh, yeah, right yeah, now dude. for all of us, okay? Yeah, yeah. To take that money from Van Gogh. Yeah. Sons of bitches. <laughs> but we got to be better, Tone. And I know you were disheartened yesterday as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We Very. had a moment of silence, I think. Was that yesterday or two, two days, days ago? Two days, two yeah. days ago, yeah. moment of silence. Yeah. Then that comes been a out. Tough week. I mean, it was a rough couple of days. And yesterday, I guess, didn't have to be as bad as it was. So I, I would like to apologize to you as well, all Steelers fans that listen and watch. You know? I have the, you know, I have the pillars, you know. I, I'm, I removed faith, actually. Why? Tony. After the last couple of weeks of Steelers football. Hey, no God. Blame Jesus. <laughs> you, have to, you have to change some things, okay? So it's family, football, your job, I, your you gambling, gambling record. record, and then Jesus is five now? Or no, he, he's completely gone. Super wow. Boost. Wow. Super boost. You know what it is? Uh, no, uh, by the way, let's... Okay. One. Super. Super no. <laughs> love Erica. Love. <laughs> love the family. Let's keep the family. Football is big because, and True. then super, super boost. boost. Then your job. job. No. Then your then, gambling, then your gambling yeah. record. Yeah, okay. All right, we got your pillars figured okay. out. Here we yeah. go. All right, we're, we're happy. But as far as the Steelers go, for me, it goes the organization, then the coach, and then the players. So when, when Mike Tomlin comes out. And says these. And he says these players in this locker room right here. Wait, he, which he didn't actually say. No. I thought he said that, like that for me was yeah. the lowest of the low that I could possibly be. If he was saying the current players don't understand how it's supposed to be publicly, he said publicly, yeah. he's saying it. that uh -huh. was that was tough. And I mean, maybe we didn't overreact enough to that. I mean, the I thought, saw red. The thought I that, saw red. Yeah, but um, but that wasn't the case. So I feel a little bit better right now. Uh, I assume this week they're going to get back to what they're supposed to do. I assume he's doing Oklahoma's and bull in the ring. Nice. Yeah, Pats are back on. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, 
Aditi is uh, she's having a tough year in in, in, uh, <laughs> in Pittsburgh. Well. She is public enemy number one. She's this was the report. She also reported that defensive coordinator Keith Butler has never designed or called the defense for the Steelers one time, which is crazy. He's defense well, coordinator yeah. for his team. Yeah. And then there's photos. She's also I don't know if people know this. She's a Browns fan. Uh, so also. I didn't. Is what? that real or is this just slander coming no, no, from no. the Yenzers? Yeah. That would definitely happen. No, no. One thousand percent. By the way, Yenzers would say, "Heard what Aditi said, Donner. Confirmed. Try to tear us apart, that dog." It's pond. confirmed. So we also see. Oh, we always see her. She's a great reporter, but we sometimes see her reporting as slighted, anyways, towards the Steelers. Oh, so. oh, wow. Should have checked it. Should have checked it. Wolf no, we got to do better journalism. We appreciate everybody that's out there covering every single word that is being said every single day in press conferences. That has to be a bit monotonous. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But, but you also know what you're doing when you put that tweet out. There's no sure. way you forget to put that part of it. You know, you could very easily continue it if you didn't have enough characters. Like, you know what you're doing. It's like, all right, let's fucking, let, you know, let's stir the pot here a little but bit. But I, I will say the only reason why we're addressing it is not to point out somebody being uh, no, no, completely no. wrong. It's because we were then in turn completely yeah. wrong. Oh, yeah. So we apologize to everybody listening and watching wherever you may be. You know, whether. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever position you are. I mean, I got numerous different levels from that organization. Like, what? Hey, what, whoa, what whoa, 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 hey, We just saw hell? you just posted something on YouTube the destruction or collapse of the Pittsburgh. <laughs> what is this? What is this? What are you even doing? What are you even going? That's not real. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's 100% my fault. I need to be a better journalist. You know, I need to look into things. But when we're live and live. something like that gets thrown right in front of my face, how can you not worry, though? No, everything's fucking dead over there. It's not, though. We no, got it. It's not. It's no not. Way. And this is just like another blip, but misleading uh, journalism. Yep. You know, this, this, this potentially happens either on purpose or by accident. I assume this one was by accident. Sure. Yeah. Possible silver lining. The the alumni of the Steelers being like upset is kind of the reason why they probably will never be that bad. Because there's that pressure from the outside. There's Tomlin. The there's fans. A, there's the a standard. Yeah, the whole the whole entire thing. Joining us now is a man who I think would like to think that there is at least some standard at USC. Oh, hell That's right. yeah. Because when you're talking about glory days i don't know if anybody had a better college run as a human no way as an athlete as a life as a success story uh ladies and gentlemen former quarterback for the usc trojans nfl quarterback a six foot six uh greek god basically southpaw fox college football analyst matt liner hey pat first of all I am not a Greek god. <laughs> Bro, but you are like I that. Am so, I am soft as Charmin and getting my old age. I'm working out. I'm, I'm, I, I was just told that I have old man strength now, and that is not a good sign. No, that's so, great. Yeah, now it's great because now you just get the water muscles and you're good. You know what I mean? Don't and you then I, and I, I see you on your show every day wearing these cutoff shirts, man. Like, wow. like. What are we doing? Well, listen, I mean, the arms the arms look good. I got to admit, the arms look good. Thank you. Well, sleeveless shirts, and you won't know this because you're a tall, lanky, <laughs> strapping man. Sleeveless shirts and tank tops are perfect if you're a pudgy-built person because all you have to do is just do some arms. People, oh, this guy's in shape. No, fat ass, but it's being covered <laughs> by the tank top. You know, one day you'll figure it out as you continue to grow old. Everything I said about you there uh, is true, though. I was in college around the same time you were at USC, and whenever you and Reggie over there and then that entire defense that you guys had was fucking stacked. And then USC just disappeared after Pete left. Now, yep. obviously, back in the conversation with Lincoln Riley, was there any alum? Like, what was it like when the team was so bad? Were you all, like, 
Was the expectation always to be great and it just didn't happen? And how did we get to this point, you think, Matt? Yeah, it, it was honestly, it was, it's a little bit embarrassing. I, you know, there, there's a lot of pride um, to, to be a Trojan, especially when you go back, you know, even before us, you know, all the titles and the great players that played for USC, there, there's a standard to uphold there when you go to USC. And Pete Carroll brought that in. We were able to be a part of some of the best teams and best years in SC history. And then, you know, a lot of stuff happened. Obviously, a lot of transitions, a lot of coaches, probably some bad decisions that were made. And then all of a sudden we found ourselves, you know, the last five or six years just, you know, not 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 at the bottom, but to USC standard, you know, is just the perception is really bad. I mean, you, you look at I'm sure you've seen it this year, the Coliseum. Oh. there's 20,000 people. I mean, that it's just, God, it got so bad. And, um, you know, I think it, it started at the top. And like any like – I heard you guys talking about the Steelers. It's just every great NFL organization or college program, when you have great leadership, great coaching, um, you know, usually you have a lot of success on the field. So uh, I will say this, though. When uh, President Folt got hired, uh, Mike Bowen, the AD, Brandon Sosna, his right-hand man who, who's just a beast – um, when they got hired, I had a chance to meet with them a couple of years ago and talking about the direction of USC football. And the thing that I noticed the most was just the energy, the passion. They, they didn't really know a lot about what it meant to be a Trojan and all of those things. But I, I tell you what, they were saying, we, were, we are going to fix this place and make USC relative, relevant again. And boy, did they do that this week. So uh, look, I'm looking in the rear view now. Or I'm looking in forward now. I mean, Lincoln Riley, are you kidding me? I mean, that's the biggest – that's a home run hire in every sense of the word. Um, the leadership is fantastic. Uh, they did the right thing. And I'll tell you what, we're relevant again, which is awesome. I think it's great for us. It's great for college football when USC is good. So yeah. I, I'm excited, man. Good idea. You know, spaceships don't come equipped with rear view mm. mirrors. They dip. That's exactly <laughs> what all USC Trojans should do, especially after the academia scandal from yep. the oh, uh, documentary <laughs> with your water polo and your uh, mm -hmm. and your rowing, rowing yeah. teams. I mean, it was it got bad. And when USC isn't good, by the way, the Pac-12 almost disappears. You know what I mean? Like right. the, the entire conference almost disappears. It's great to have it back. Were you consulted or any other alumni asked throughout the process? And how long do you think Lincoln Riley was like the target? Because there was a lot of names yeah. being thrown out there. Yeah, there, there was a lot. So I was um, consulted. Uh, again, I have a good relationship, a really close relationship with Mike and, and Brandon. Um, so uh, there were a lot of conversations from before Clay was fired to after um, and a lot of, a lot of, Hey, these guys, and what do you think here? You know, what are, you know, what are we looking for in the next head coach? Um, what's important because, you know, there was a lot of stuff with USC that, Hey, you know, personality and this and that. And, and, and listen, Pete Carroll was Pete Carroll. I mean, look, you're not going to have another guy, the same personality that embraced the LA culture the way he did. But you just want a damn good football coach who can develop players and get USC back. It doesn't matter if you're hobnobbing with, with L.A. It really didn't matter. And that was their message to me. And kind of my message to them is, is hey, man, we're not going to find Pete, but we're going to go find a, the best coach available that's going to bring us back. So there were a lot of those con uh, conversations. Um, there were, you know, they made it a, a point to get a lot of feedback from former players, a lot of you know, players from myself to Carson to, you know, Willie McGinnis to, you can go the older guys to Marcus Allen, Ronnie Lott. Wow. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, so, so, so they really, 
wanted to embrace what, what do we want to see in our next head coach? Now, at the end of the day, they're going to go out and get their guy, and, and they had they had Lincoln on the radar from day one. Um, I, I was shocked, to be honest with you. I thought it was going to be Matt Campbell. I, you know, I was hearing the rumors the day before that Matt Campbell is probably the guy, which I would have been happy with as well. He's a really good football coach. But, um, you know, obviously the, when these things happen, they do happen very quickly. But – there had to be conversations with Lincoln in the weeks prior to, to set this up, you know, I think, which, which uh, just tells me our guys at USC did a fantastic job. They knew who they wanted and they got them. Yeah. So are they using your plane? Like they, they told <laughs> allegedly the contract is 24 yeah. seven access to a private plane. Allegedly these are all. And I was, yeah, I mean, I saw that too. I mean, geez, I mean, <laughs> Hey, start coaching, I, Matt, start coaching, yeah. dude, get a whistle. Dude, I, I'm telling you, man, we we're on our big noon kickoff chat. I know, you know, you know, Brady and, and Joel Klatt and Reggie and, and all our crew and uh, actually and Coach Stoops is on there, who now is the intern for yeah. Oklahoma, which is crazy. That's awesome. And we're just like, dude, we got into the wrong profession, man. Like a hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah, like it's crazy. Dude, I could I could I think I could go motivate a team for a hundred mil. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, but it's uh, it's it's wild. I mean, the things that are that are being thrown at these coaches and look i mean it's it's the asking price how do you days, feel so. about it matt matt big noon kickoff obviously i enjoy watching a good atmosphere you guys i think have really gone to work on it you know like you've we've seen it grow i didn't get a chance to see the beginning of college game day i kind of saw it watching you guys kind of grow is awesome but now you're like an authority on college football you know like you're one of the big voices alongside <laughs> those people how do you feel about like the brian kelly situation for instance i mean that is it's been happening again since the beginning of time but right it's crazy crazy that Notre Dame could, you know, in the it's still and then the way it all I don't know. I, as an adult, I get it. Like $95 million, of course, you're doing of course. your thing. But there has to be some sort of standard, right? Like, I, I don't think I fully understand how that whole thing pans out, you know? I mean, can you, I mean, Pat, just put yourself, I mean, again, I try to put, we're, we're older, we get the business side of things. It's $100 million. I don't think anybody's saying no to that. But, you know, as a player, you know, you're a 21-year-old player, Plus, you're, 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 there's a very like good chance Notre Dame is in the playoff. A, a few things need to happen, but like they have a realistic path just to slip in at number four, and then all of a sudden, you know, your head coach is gone. So I, I would say there, there's probably a more tactful and maybe tasteful way to do that because you know the story comes out of he's recruiting, and then the story breaks right after. You're in a recruit's home trying to get him oh, to yeah. Notre Dame. Yeah. yeah, your staff, your staff is on the road recruiting. Uh, I'm not sure they were even aware at the time that he was going. So, um, again, these things are happening so fast now. So I, I understand the business side of it, especially as, as a grown man, and, and I get it. But th there's got to be a more tactful way and tasteful way to do it and not hold, you know, a 7 a.m. two-minute press conference with your t or uh, meeting with your team. Two minutes, basically, you're saying, guys, I'm out. Couldn't you know, he just do it on a, the text? Did a great why, run, and I'm done. Why you know? couldn't he just so. follow up with the text and just say, "Hey, instead of a two minute, like when Rich Rod, I was there when Rich Rod went to Michigan, and the year before there was a um, a tease he was going to Alabama, and we had these 
emergency team meetings called the next morning. I think they were at like nine, maybe because Rich Rod liked to sleep a little bit. I, I don't know why <laughs> 7 a.m. was the time or whatever, but he goes, two minutes? Like, you, what are you even doing in two minutes? Because you got to think about the walk to the thing as well. Like, he's walking into that room. He's not standing up there to begin with. So that's yeah. 30 seconds of walking at least. So what is what is he even saying that he couldn't have said in I, that 2 a.m. text? I don't know. I will say this. Like, so, so I was at Lincoln's press conference on Monday at SC, and look, it's, it's, a, it's a, a little bit of a different situation. Both Oklahoma's done, obviously. They have a bowl game, but he left. He already hit the ground recruiting, all of those things. But I know he had a team meeting, and, and he actually got choked up in talking about Oklahoma. So there there was a – look, at the end of the day, he got paid. He took a job. He left his team, all that. But he got choked up talking about what Oklahoma meant to him. And to me, that's genuine, knowing Lincoln a little bit. And I'm assuming um, – and, and I know Coach Stoops, and I've talked to Coach Stoops. Lincoln, it was a very difficult decision for him. And I'm sure there was a lot of motions in that team meeting room. Um, from Oklahoma so there's a way to do it you know and and there's a way not to do it and look at the end of the day it is what it is um, these players you know they're at the mercy of these coaches leaving and and again you know it is what it is so there's probably there there's probably a more tactful way to do that but hundred million dollars that two minute he's going on that private plane and he's out yeah and then he cuts a promo for the the LSU video yeah. is yeah. like a promo about what he learned at Notre Dame to bring to LSU it was like golly <laughs> this guy <laughs> has turned full heel but if he wins if they win nobody cares like that's the thing about all sports not just college football NFL football and you were talking about right. Lincoln Riley not being Pete Carroll and you know embracing and hobnobbing with LA if you win LA will hobnob with you right like that is Every city, by the well, way, that's not just LA. That, that's the every city, and people. I was telling this to someone the other day. Like Pete, we were we were terrible. My I, my true freshman year was Pete's first year. We were six and six. We lost to Utah in the Vegas Bowl, um, <laughs> and Utah beat. I think we lost ten to six. Like it was a horrible game. No one gave a crap about us. We had I think our attendance was thirty thousand, and that was when the the Coliseum had a hundred thousand before the renovations. The next year we go eleven and two. It was a one year fix. We go eleven and two. We beat Iowa in the Orange Bowl. Oh, and the Coliseum. Yeah, we beat. Uh, I think it was Brad Banks and, oh, yeah. and um, <laughs> uh, Dallas Clark, Bob <laughs> Sanders. Oh no, it was my guys. All time Iowa To hell with you, Matt. You shouldn't have beat. <laughs> hey, that was Bob, good. Hey, you, Bob was a beast, man. Yeah, so so was Dallas, yeah. And uh, and all of a sudden, hey. Snoop wants to come, and <laughs> Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell's in this on the sideline, and God, I mean, you know, who's who? And then Peaches said, "Screw it, man! Like, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I use this to my advantage?" So, look, it, it, it just it, it happens that way, as you said. You win, fans love you, man. Especially, especially a place like USC, because let's face it. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of I mean, Dodgers, Lakers, Clip. I mean, there's everybody around here. So USC. For the, they have to be good. Fans will show up. That's kind of sometimes the type of fans that we had at USC, but who cares, man? Yeah. And I'll tell you what, Lincoln will sell out the Coliseum next year. That place will be full next year. Yeah, and I think that's awesome to hear, by the way. And congrats, Lincoln. I think he already signed like some seven-star oh, yeah. quarterback yeah. Out, of, <laughs> out of L.A. or whatever. Oh, he's flipping, he's flipping everybody already. Yeah, and he's using L.A., but I think – if we know anything about USC, it is a school filled with alumni that just want to be associated with USC. They will stage photos in small pools. That's yeah. right. That's right. To get it. <laughs> did you watch that? What were your thoughts on that? And how many of those did you know while you were in school there? How, was Wait, that... what, what, are you, what are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> come on. Man, there 
are. Are you talking about the stage photos? You yeah. You want me to talk about the academic scandal? Yes. Is that uh, is that real? Is that honestly? Is that blown out of honestly, proportion? Is that blown out of proportion? You think by people like us that are on the outside, or do you think it was just something that was just casual? I had no idea, and that's a dead honest truth. I mean, like, first of all, that was gosh, 12 years after me, you know, and, and oh, yeah, yeah. I had no idea that was happening. I, I will say this, it was a lot easier, <laughs> a lot easier to get into USC then. Um, <laughs> even when I was there now, I was there from football scholarship. So I wasn't very, I was probably oblivious to how kids got in. But back in the day with USC, it was, Hey, you know, mommy and daddy's money gets you in. If you were a legacy, you're going in. Um, if you could just if you could play football or whatever sport you're getting in, um, and and that's and that that was probably a lot of schools, but they really cracked down on um, academics and and you know not to get all serious, but it is like one of the harder schools to get into now academically in the country. You know, it's not on the level of Notre Dame and some of the and, and some of those schools, but um, no, I had I had no idea. Hold on, but so- I got to be honest with you. I love Aunt Becky. I love Lori Loughlin. <laughs> you know, I mean, I shout out. To, to, to meet that shout out to Aunt Becky. I mean, obviously that's uh, you know neither here nor there, but she was a childhood crush of mine. So, yeah, well, you know. I think for a lot of people, and also Mossimo made great tank tops. Oh yeah, I mean, shout out <laughs> yeah. to Mossimo as well. Dude, I still I still wear Mossimo. So oh, it's all good. Man. I got a bunch of them from Target too. They stopped something selling. Tell, something tells yeah, something tells me you got a lot of Mossimo tanks still in that closet, Pat. Well, thanks. I, mean, I literally, I just, I hey, was the one a, that just told you. Well, the the way the way you're rocking the arms, man. I mean, come on. Hey, I mean, every once in a while they get a little comfortable. I don't like that old Mossimo had to go to jail though, because he was yeah. an incredible yeah, designer. I'm like, hey, let's go, let's get this figured out. But it makes sense why they would start doing all that shit if that's what it was back in the day, and then it changed because of rules and everything. So they had to start figuring out ways to still do it. And with all that being said, if they win, USC is going to be all the way back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is going to be a full thing, and it seems like Lincoln Riley only does that whenever he's coaching go ahead ty matt there's a lot of talk after i think you won the heisman you know about you going into the draft being the first pick the year alex smith went um like when you actually got into the nfl like because you went 37 and 2 at usc like did you expect to win right away and was it difficult when you got there and it's like oh shit like we're not gonna win right away yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Actually, I know I know uh, Aaron's on the show, which, Pat, I love. I love those interviews every week. Sweet, um, sweet. Appreciate you. But, uh, you know, that year it was Alex, Aaron, and then myself. And they were they were leaving. And um, I had decided to stay for a couple reasons. I, again, to be honest, I, I've, I've been honest. All Everyone thinks I was like BS. I'm like, dude, I, I didn't want to leave USC. I, yeah. I thought I could get better. I thought I could get better physically and get stronger for sure. Um, I had some injuries that I was dealing with, but I just did not want to leave. Um, I, I just loved it there and what we were trying to do. So that was a big reason why I came back. And and for me, look, like I, I've been very candid about my career, and I'll be the first to tell you that I, I was disappointed in, in just not being able to live up to what I thought I could be, I mean, to be honest with you. And, and I still to this day felt like I had enough talent um, to, to, to have success. I, I walked into a situation with Denny Green. God, I rest in peace. I love Denny Green. He drafted me. Um, you know, my rookie year, I had Larry. I had Anquan. Um, we were we were five and eleven, I think. But um, we had talent. And then Denny and, and I had a pretty good rookie season. You know, given like it, there was a lot of to look forward to. And then Wizenhunt got um, hired. And um, there, there's a lot of you know back and forth between me and Ken, and that's fine. And 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 you know I got respect for him. He was a good coach and all those things, but 
we just didn't see eye to eye. I probably was Sounded a part like of that. that he was he was a, probably a part of that. Um, so for me, the minute Ken came in, and then Kurt Warner obviously resurrected his career, became a Hall of Famer. Um, it was just hard for me to get back. And you guys know this. I mean, just like in anything, um, for me, it was about confidence. I lost all my confidence in Arizona, all of it. Every time when Kurt took over, every time I had it, I just thought I was always looking over my shoulder. When I got in, I never felt comfortable there. And again, part of my fault probably and part of just the situation I was in. And then I'll say this. When I went to Houston – and I got cut by Arizona. I went to Houston with Gary Kubiak and all of those guys. That was the best I felt in my NFL career as a player. Uh, my mindset, all he was fantastic, and he's got a long history. Just you know, it's it's the Kyle Shanahan's. It's all of, it's that offense. It's that system, um, and it was so great for me and what I learned. And I remember in. I think it was 2011 um, Schaub went down and I started against Jacksonville and I was, I got hurt in the first half at the end of the first half, but I was playing really good. I felt calm. We were a playoff team that year and I broke my collarbone and that was the second time. And that was when I was done. And that was when I just felt like it's not meant for me. So that was a long winded answer to answer your question. I just, I never, um, never fully got the confidence that I needed to get back until I got to Houston. And by that time it was just really too late, but um, you know, as quarterbacks, and I'm sure you guys talk about this all the time, Pat, you've been, a, if you're quarterback, you go to a great situation, great team, great organization, you got a chance to be very successful. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks go to places where, you know, just not surrounded by a whole lot. And all of a sudden three or four years in, you're lost, you're lost in the shuffle. And that's kind of what happened to me. Um, and, and then also just some of the things that I probably could have controlled better. Hey, thank you for being as open about your losing of confidence in there because I think whenever we all think of Matt Liner playing, we see you in the USC Trojan oh, yeah. and we see you just painting balls into like you had this your release looked as if it was like a feather coming down the way you <laughs> threw it. It was like it was awesome. Hey. It was awesome. You know what, man? I, we're talking about like sometimes I sit here and like. I'm just old. Uh, my my hips hurt. You know, I'm like I'm like skinny fat, dude. I can't like I can't put a bicep together. I can't I can't. I just have old man strength. And sometimes I wonder how I even played football. <laughs> you ever feel? I'm just like. And then I, and then like I, I see you know you see some highlights and we you know you're on the show and then I'm like and then my older son who's 15 and he's a hell of an athlete, man. He's a great quarterback, great basketball player, six three already. And I'm just like, sometimes I got to remind him that Pops was a little bit of a baller back in the day. <laughs> sometimes I got to remind him that. So, um, yeah, you know, it was it was a good time. I, look, I, I'd be the first. I wish I could have played longer in the league. I really do. But at the end of the day, man, I am. I mean, I love my job. I mean, yeah. you know, can I, you can talk I, about ask baby, you? I just love my job. I love the guys. I'm Matt, in, I'm in. Hold on one second. Can, can I ask you about like a quarterback being in a situation where you feel like you got to look over your shoulder? Because you would be a great person to ask this about. Tua, yeah. Tua down in Miami. Last year, right. Tua gets drafted. It's Fitz's team. Then publicly it's announced Tua's the starter. Fitz is devastated because he wasn't told the team isn't ready to be Tua's team. Then they start pulling Tua in like the two-minute drill in like at the end of game and when it mattered and putting Ryan in. So they're splitting the locker room even more. Then this year, all offseason, they want Tua out. Then they really – I mean, it is, I don't know how Tua is mentally tough enough to stay down there and still perform. And I, I honestly have always thought that. So whenever you talked about your time there in Arizona, 
Arizona. I'm like, holy shit. Like, it's happy to hear that quarterbacks are humans. And how do you think this ends up working out for two? I, I have no idea. How uh, that- listen, honestly, man, like, like two is two is playing pretty well. Like, yeah. He's got a lot of mental strength to handle that, and 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 it's a it's a it's a great example because last year I remember watching him. I just like, dude, you just drafted this dude in the top five. Like he can play. Like, listen, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of surrounding pieces around Tua in Miami. Let, I mean, let's just put it that way. Like they don't have a lot of great pieces. I love Waddle, um, but they don't have you know a number one. Um, and like you and I love Fitzy. Like Fitzy's just a baller. I love that guy, but. This is your top five pick, and you, and you dangle him in and out in the two minute. I'll tell you this: when my um, in two thousand and seven, so my my second year, that's Wizenut's first year. We go. I'm the starter going into the season. The first five games were three and two. In the game, in that fifth game, we won. We go to Baltimore, and I was told in that game going into the season or going into that game that Kurt Warner and I were going to split reps. At that time, I knew it was over for me. <laughs> and we were going to split refs because he was going to – and this is nothing gets Kurt. This was the situation. Yeah. We were going to run this no-huddle, you know, this no-huddle package and this and that. And that was when Baltimore had Ray and Ed, and they were just – their defense was nasty. I struggled. I was like 7 of 15 in the first half, whatever. Kurt comes in. We win. He balls. The next week I start at St. Louis, and I, and I, and I broke my collarbone, and that was it. I went into that game. I actually played okay, but I was like, "Dude, I'm I'm over. My career's over. Like this is it. Like I'm done." Like I, all I could think about was when I was going to get yanked again, as opposed to, "Hey, this is my team. I'm going to go out there and ball." It was just really hard for me. That's why I give credit a lot of, uh, or give to a lot of credit, man. Like he's he's done a really good job handling that situation. But that is damn hard to do, man. Because as a quarterback, you want your quarterback to go into a game as mentally prepared and focused as he possibly could be. Cause as you know, the NFL is no joke. If you like, you look at, I mean, God, look at Sam Darnold in New York and you look at, you just look at some of these guys that go into these situations with no help. And all of a sudden something happens, you're gone. So um, I hated how they handled that with Tua. Um, I wish they would have given, and they're giving them, you know, they're giving him a chance this year. And I think he's actually doing pretty well. And I mean, I know the record's not great, but um, yeah, that's it's extremely challenging. You have to let, have a lot of mental toughness and resolve yeah. to just say, I don't give a crap what's going on behind me. I'm going to go out there and ball, and if it's not good enough, then, then get my ass out of here. I'll go somewhere else. Isn't it crazy to think that that's happening at the highest level of football? And that's why while you were telling the story, I was like laughing. Like, of course they had you start out here. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, it's the NFL. Like, there, there's, there's like it's just, it's fascinating. It's the highest level. You hear that said in locker rooms sometimes when decisions are made. They're like, this is the high, there's no other, there's no other league higher than this one. And that decision was and, just made. It's crazy. And, the, and the, the quarterback position, it's the most important position in football. You know, like, you, you, like it's just like, ah, dude, it, it bothers me. It, the, even in, at the college level, like Michigan, we're at Michigan, Ohio State. And, again, they won. And they run their two-quarterback system with, with Cade and, and J.J. McCarthy. And they're different. And I, I've always been like, hey, if there's, a, if there's two different players – that have a completely different uh, skill set. It'd be like me at Arizona, and then all of a sudden Lamar Jackson comes in, and, and he and now he's a great, but like he runs the ball, whatever. Like I understand that because there's a package for that. But like in the NFL, it's like Tua and Fitzy. I mean, they're different. Yeah, but like, yeah. You know, Fitz, Fitz. I mean, Fitz can run. Like, but it, it's the same thing, you yeah. know. So I just hate that, man. Yeah. I hate that there's. We we'll always say if you have two quarterbacks, 
if you're playing two quarterbacks, you have nobody. You yeah. know, that that's the thing. That's a big time quote around here. Oh, yeah. That's a big time quote around here, Matt. We say it a lot whenever situations If you have two, you have none, right? It's like, it's just, I, I hate it, man. Hey, last question here for you. We can't thank you enough for your time. You've been incredible, by the way. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Matt, on the same subject, do you think that's why uh, Mac Jones and the Patriots have had so much success because they got rid of Cam before the season and basically you just have gone with Mac from the start and there's no second option behind him? I, I think it's part of that. You know, he walked into a situation where he was told he's the guy. And I will say this, just Mac Jones personally, um, he, was, he was really damn good at Alabama. And oh, yeah. I know he had the players, and I get all that. He reminded me so much of Joe Burrow. And, again, I talked to coaches and all that and, and the way they played because you talk about a dude who is so confident in his ability and so mentally tough that – I just knew Mac Jones, especially then you combine that going to New England, a place like that with that culture and, and McDaniels and, Bill, and Belichick and those guys. I was like, dude, this dude, I, I told my older son, he was like, Mac Jones, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm telling you, buddy, like this kid is the real deal. Hey, he, this, he, kid, he, this guy's got the same body as dad. Uh, <laughs> this guy's got hey, the same body as dad. His, his body's worse than mine. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey. But, I, but, I, but that's a good question. I think he just – look, he's in a great situation, and he's got a great coach, and he's got a great offensive coach. And you combine that with his like, – he is he, – he's a dude now. I, I was saying that coming out of college. Like, I don't care, you know, like he may not be the best athlete, but at the end of the day in the NFL, you don't have to be an athlete, a quarterback, to be damn good. Look at, look at the greatest to ever live, you know, so – um, he's really good, man. I'm happy. He's a great kid. He's tough as hell. I'm happy for him. Yeah, he had great odds for Rookie of the Year, too. Oh, yeah. really. <laughs> we all hopped on that. Uh, we can't thank you enough for joining us, Matt. This uh, conversation has been awesome. Can't wait to watch you on Big Noon kickoff every single Saturday throughout the rest of the year here. Thanks for having me, Pat. Appreciate you, man. Hey, Talk I'll to you soon, buddy. I'll send you some tank tops, all right? And, and- hey, get... Yeah, give me some, man. I'm, I'm sure you got your own line or something. No, no, I just buy 50 of them from Amazon. And then <laughs> just kind of cycle through. Do you have just the bush push? Uh, do you have that just all over the house? Do you have that everywhere, or is this a play you'd rather forget? Dude, you want? I mean, hold. Wait, hold on. You want me to show you? Yeah, just show you does. real quick. I thought so. I assumed you did. What a fucking moment! What a moment! What right did here, this? Hold on, hold on. Well, you know what? Here, I'm going to show you something even better. Big house. You live okay, well. hold on. We're going in the house. Reggie's in the house. Is Reggie, is Reggie Bush going to push through that door? We're going in the house. Wait, hold up. What's up, kids? Here we go. Oh! I'm just hanging there's around. The floor. There's not a spot for that, so it just it just hangs out under some clothes. <laughs> <laughs> what a life. You deserve uh, it, dude. Hey, uh, hold on. I know you guys want to kick me off the show, but hold no, on. No, no. We, we appreciate your time. So now, now I moved in. To, so my son... It's my kid. He has it on the wall. Oh, wow. That's dope. That is so sweet. Yeah. So, so funny story real quick. So yeah. uh, when Urban Meyer was on the show a couple of years ago, he comes over after one of the Saturdays we're hanging out and I had told him, I'm like, I'm like, he's like, dude, where do you keep the Heisman? I'm like, honestly, I, dude, it's just, it's in the closet, man. Like I'm not one of those guys who's going to display it. And I just, I just don't care. And I walk him up into my room and I show him and he had the same reaction. And he goes, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> like, that's embarrassing, man. Like, he was so floored that 
I'm just like, hey, it's just it's just hanging out, man. It was so funny to hear his reaction. Well, I love that you are the human you are. And uh, as a fan for a long time, getting a chance to chat with you here, we appreciate awesome, you so man. much. And thanks for the tour of the house, dude. We'll yeah. see we'll see the other wings the next time you stop by. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Good to talk <laughs> to you, man. Hey, see you, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Lyon. Yeah! Now that the world's opening back up, so many new thrills are on the horizon. Okay. And whether you've been in a relationship for years or just getting started, we're excited to get back out there and meet new people. Hell yeah. When the moment comes... It's not come too quick. Oh! <laughs> here we go. That is not what they had in their copy. Okay. They should. <laughs> that was, I think they're going in a different direction, so let's go back a sentence or two. Okay, okay. When you, when the moment comes, you want to be ready. Hell That's yeah. true. Yeah. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, Ooh. all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Once you take care of that, though, you get the Roman swipes, and guess what? Ha! Huh. Last a long time. Banging up, banging up, banging up. Yeah, it's yeah. Pete Alonzo at the all <laughs> yes. at the home run derby. That's Boom. right. Dingers. Downtown. Bingo. Her population, you, dude. Hell yeah. Roman ready equals confidence. The confidence that you know you can rise to the occasion in the moment. We're looking at the Summer of Love 2021 version, and Roman wants to make sure you can participate in your way. Whether that be as a single person or a couple who would still rather stay in with each other, a U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping. Okay. That's huge. Free? The shipping's free. Wow. I believe. Not the... Not the medication. Yeah, free no. two-day shipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go to GetRoman.com slash McAfee today, and if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of ED treatment. Okay. That's G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com slash M-C-A-F-E-E. And if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of erectile dysfunction treatment. Make sure you're ready to have confidence and control this summer. Roman ready. Joining us uh, like he does every single day when he doesn't have a black tie affair to attend to. College football national champion, Super Bowl champion, ladies and gentlemen, AJ. Huh? Yay! Uh, did you and Chuck Berry watch the MLS semifinals of the semifinals yesterday or last night or whatnot? I, I was unaware of this MLS game. I was actually uh, got a late invite to watch the Ohio State Buckeyes upset the oh, Duke Blue Devils in person. It was my first college game in forever. It was wow. awesome. Did you, nice. did you kiss Coach K? What, was I supposed to? Well, yeah. this is kind yeah. of the farewell thing. Tour. It's his farewell tour. Yeah. And it was in Columbus. I didn't know it was in Columbus. Did you go say, hey, uh, Mr. K, thank you for inventing college basketball. Did you say that? Or did you dance in his face that Ohio State Ooh. got the big win? I did not have a chance to uh, communicate with Coach K. He seems to be pretty busy, pretty important guy. But I did. I was sitting across the court from him, so I did. I like to watch him interact with the, the referees oh, nice. throughout the night, which he has a lot of activity with those dudes and his team. It was it was cool to see, man. They, were you on the wood? Are all so damn good. Were all you on the wood? You were got feet on the wood down no. there. No, no, I was perfect. Like fifty yard line, half court, like up a little bit. <laughs> fifty yard line. With fifty yard line, watching the Heisman's battle it out there. Behind Jay Billis, I was like twenty rows up from I think Jay Billis. Twenty. Hey, so whose seats are those? Are those? Uh, those I don't Uncle... even know. I had uh, a couple Uncle reached Dicks? out to us and asked if we wanted. We finished up fifth grade practice around eight fifteen. Hopped on down there. Hey, that's a knife for the Hawks. Oh, oh. So Ohio State did win. How many? Oh, H I. 
Oh! How much of that was us? And a I lot of them. Though it goes, you know, they do it throughout the whole arena, and I was one of the O's, so I was, yeah, I was getting. If you were in the middle, though, is that kind of in between two letters oh. there? Is that is O H I O usually? And I was on an O. So then an O is right next to another O. Oh. It start. It must have started on the H. Uh, so there must be thirds. It's cut into thirds because one is O. Two. H. I. And then the same O squad because there can't be no, two O's the in a group. Oh, like I say behind this hoop says O. Then the middle group says I, H. I down here. Oh, so then it's like two O's, but there's a oh, little break oh, before the next. Oh, shouldn't they? Oh, because it's two different O's. Yeah. Because this particular set of vocal cords is different than that, so it's two different O's, so that they know that we are beginning a new. From every new beginning comes from some other the beginnings, beginnings end. Yeah, that would go. be the last Ohio chant. Don't you think you guys should do it in thirds? Don't you think just the O squad should have double the work? Hey, whatever the case. I'm happy you got a chance to go. No, there. you don't want to keep going on this? I thought for sure we could break this down. <laughs> I just learned that Ohio State beat Duke last night whenever you said it. I'm just, I'm pumped. Ohio State's been oh. Big win. Oh, I said had a rough week. I mean, they it, were down like ten to twelve the whole game, and then they came back and won. It was sweet. Well, that's when you're in attendance, they win. Yes. When you're not there, they lose. For instance, Michigan drums Ohio State because you're not there, and you yep. don't say I O to my O H's. You go into O H I O. They win. Beat Duke on Coach K's little farewell tour. Is this not a sign that maybe you should be a better Buckeye? Is that not something that you think about ever for the good of all of Ohio State before Ryan Day just gets up and leaves like Brian Kelly or oh, something? No. Like, do you ever do you ever think about maybe being a better Buckeye and going to every single game, and yeah. uh, and every single IO gets answered? AJ, what do you think? I mean, may, maybe. I mean, I tell you what, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought, and I've always had a ton of respect for those dudes. But when you, I watch them in person, first off, the Duke team is a bunch of freshmen. Like, I think they have – Connor, you would know. Do they have the number one overall pick yeah, there? Apollo uh, something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He fouled out, unfortunately, but that dude is uh. an absolute – they're so big and so athletic. Yeah, I'm just I'm – I'm very impressed the more I watch. How do you feel about their uh, effort? Good effort? Did you tell the kids, hey, listen, that's good effort right there? Did, did you do a lot to the Ohio yeah, State the team? Part, yeah. Yeah, they – I mean, they hustle their ass off. Like, it, I don't know how you score any buckets. you got to be a lights-out shooter because these dudes are all up in your face all day long. Well, that's like an L.A. Fitness you or a YMCA. You run into one of these, uh, like – D3 basketball players? Oh, yeah. They're like full court press in, in the rec center. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they actually have like good timing with their hands and stuff. Like the people that never play, you can kind of get them because they're just guessing. Those guys that practice every single day on how to play defense, they fucking, they're better than you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that is something that's going to happen. And I, I think I recognize that with the NBA because I would go to these Pacer games and I'd, I grew up in Pittsburgh. Ain't nobody cared, right, about the NBA. I'd watch the Lakers because they were on late at night, and I, had to, I couldn't sleep, so I, like, enjoyed it. But when I started going to NBA games, everybody's like, they don't try, they don't try. I'm like, those motherfuckers would take the ball from you every single time you tried to – every game, by the way. They're like, no, they don't give effort. They don't give effort. It's like – what are you even talking like, about? To score one bucket. Watch him score one bucket. <laughs> yeah. You have to put on 13 moves, hit a fadeaway step back from 32 feet just to get a, like a routine bucket. And then you got a seven foot two person who's somehow mm -hmm. able to lumber their big fucking body into jumping and putting their hand directly in yeah. your face. And then they're just making shots. They don't even play defense. It's like, okay, all right. Mm. They, maybe just the offense is that great. And that whole, I, I love basketball. Impossible to watch full games on television. In person, much better. It's an event, you know, like it's a it's a to-do. There's people dressing up that walk down, be seen, much like I assume the Hawk family got on the jumbo troll. Oh, no chance, no. 
What? Did you? Why would I? They didn't. No one knew I. Cam? Did, did I have to tell them I was coming? They didn't they know. I know. I thought for sure. Like as soon as you walked in, they were like, "Oh, look at that fucking jawline!" There and then is. the the cheerleaders get the sign, and it's H A W. Okay. With your face up there. You guys stormed the court last night, I just learned, because you guys beat Coach K on his farewell tour. Did you make your way out there? Did you throw the kids into the middle of the, the Kids thing? didn't come. It was a 9.30 tip-off. Kids are not making that one. They go to bed at 7.30. Usually. Oh, I so, thought you and uh, uh, Axel. I stormed damn, the parking lot. As soon as I knew that the Bucks won, see ya. We got out. Oh, so you were kind of like in Armageddon. You were that one car. Because everybody else is going down this way. Mm -hmm. Well, I got out. I was on the aisle seat, luckily. So, boom, they sealed it. I took off. Oh, you didn't see the end of the game. You didn't even know they wow. stormed the court. We just oh, saw it. They fouled them. They, they won by five. They they got fouled and made the free throws. I was watching the free throws from the concourse. I'm walking out. Hey, by the way, veteran Smart. move right Smart. there. Veteran move. I did that for uh, Robert Mathis's Ring of Honor uh, ceremony. You know, if you kind of sit in the back and just kind of watch, you can just easily, you know. Your Irish goodbye, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, always. Yeah, but that saves you from all the, you know, like the thirty. As I'm talking to everybody, I'm also telling them goodbye at mm -hmm. the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, throughout the entire game, it's like you know, full conversations. Great to see you, and then I have to judge whether or not if I was to not talk to this person again for the rest of the day, would it be good if I was to talk to him or run into? Yeah, it would be. It would be great. Okay, all right. And then once that check. Is off on everybody. All right, time for me to get the hell out of here. I watched a couple of the games, though, a little bit of the game on my way out from the concourse section. That's the best. The concourse is the best. You have the area, your space. You get great views. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about anything. And if you want to escape, uh, you know, an A.J. Hawk crowd. Yeah, yeah. true. That A.J. Hawk would get in Ohio. Yeah. You got to go with that. Hey, uh, let's, let's get to some stuff before Coach Chuck Pagano joins us. AJ, we were wrong about the Tomlin coverage yesterday. Did you see us lead off the show? We actually had to recant our story, yeah. unlike the Wall Street Journal, That's right. which we learned yesterday. We had to recant our narrative and our rant and our devastation for the collapse of the Steelers because we were told that Tomlin said that the ex-players know more about the standard of the Steelers than the current room now. They probably have a better understanding than the guys that are in that room now was tweeted by somebody we have respect for, has access, works for the NFL. Used to work for the Wall Street Journal. Wow. Incredibly talented journalist. Well, you know, good depth. Maybe mm -hmm. a Browns fan, I guess people say. But we reacted because this is multiple days of shit happening within the Pittsburgh Steelers organization that doesn't normally happen. Then we heard the clip, and he didn't say, he said, outside of the people in the room right now, those veterans, the guys that have been here, understand the standard more than anybody outside, basically. So it's a much different quote. But still, this is the drama that surrounds losing teams, and the Steelers are in it right now, in the middle of that thing right now, AJ. I saw that they played the clip, I believe, on Get Up this morning, and that definitely when you, when he said outside of the guys in that room right now, like, oh, well, that's a huge part of this whole story. Like You can't. You, it almost sounded like from the tweet that he's siding with his former players. Like, yes. oh, these guys are trash was, I have now. Yeah, and we, by the way, we acted as such. Yes. I, I mean, ran we, with it. We were like, oh, my God. We got Chase and we got Minka saying we need something different. We got Tomlin saying, I wish these old guys were in here still. I mean, it was holy hell. You know, all the world. I think the title of the YouTube video is Pittsburgh Steelers are collapsing in front of our <laughs> yeah, eyes. Yeah. And it's like, uh, that's all because of that. But we got to be better journalists. Uh, we had to talk about that in the first hour. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, fallout. Kyle Long 
has been activated uh, off the uh, physically unable he to made perform. It. He made the squad? Yeah, yeah. yeah he made the squad. Congrats, Kyle. Can't wait to watch you start and dominate. Yeah, we remember uh, Kyle Long retired from the Chicago Bears. And Look at that head. You want to hit that head? I had to. It's he, not fun. He is a large man who's an, a freak athlete, by the way. Yeah. Freak mm -hmm. athlete. Great hands, uh, great coordination, can run as if he's a defensive end or tight end or H-back, but he is a guard that plays in a position that you have to be able to be sturdy. He's an ox. This dude's a fucking ox from a family of oxen. Okay, yeah. that is who he is. He retires from the Chicago Bears after multiple All-Pros and Pro Bowls to start his career. Miss Chicago. Gets into a beef, obviously, with the Chicago Bears organization as turnover happens and everything like that. I think, personally, he never told me this or told us this, kind of fell out of love with football at that moment, kind of was jaded, hated it, tried retirement, had a NASCAR show, worked for CBS <laughs> for football, was learning the game of golf. And I think as he continued to watch, he remembered why he loved football and remembered how good he was at football. And his brother talked about how he's in incredible shape. Then we got to chat with him. He looked amazing. He looked happy. And he did a tour. He went to the Raiders. Then he went to the Chiefs. And we told Ian Rappaport, like, hey, when this guy gets injured, what are you hearing on timeline? Ian goes, hey, he's going to make the team, I guess. It's yeah. like, Ian, you fucking idiot. Yes, he's going to make the team. I assume he is going to be very dominant, and I'm incredibly happy for him. Getting back rehab is no fun, especially when you fracture something in your leg, AJ. This is going to be a great story to his career. You know, Hopefully the Chiefs are getting back on track. Kyle Long comes in and plays well. It, I think also when he retired, he'd been banged up for yeah. multiple years in a row. He just continued to fight through injuries. So I'm sure taking that time off helped his body heal, and then unfortunately, bam, gets hurt right away, and now we get to see him. He gets to be there for the home stretch. Hey, he's a monster, dude. Yeah. I think it was his... Uh, yeah, I know. I used to watch him try to pick people off of piles and run in submarine dive and take his head and knock us off the oh, pile. Yeah. Very done. Hey, and he's, he's also... laughing. He would laugh while he's doing it. Whoa! I'm like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I respect the move, man, but don't just don't get me in the side of the head. Yeah, like he's a hard ass, <laughs> and he's also a kind of a goober who's hilarious. <laughs> and oh, boom, we we like engage and headbutt. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, oh, and he's yelling in the middle. <laughs> 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 he's okay. I love him from day one. He was like that as a rookie. Yeah, and they made the Pro Bowl as rookie year because I think I was there. My first Pro Bowl was in my fourth or fifth year. It was his second year in the NFL. It was his second Pro Bowl or maybe his third year, and it was his third Pro Bowl. So he was like the mayor almost of the Pro Bowl, and he's like five years younger than me, and we had a great – he was awesome. I'm so thankful, as is the man that's joining us right now. Got a chance to see him in person this weekend. Mm -hmm. yeah. Came into the office, met all the boys. The boys love him. I think he and his wife – actually enjoy that he comes on the show every week and we enjoy that because we're thankful for his words every single week ladies and gentlemen it is time for coach us up chuck with our guest chuck we're going yeah! yeah! oh, good hoodie cuz what day finally yeah had to I, had come. To, I had to go the, i had to go the distance to get it yeah come into this it was a great what a great what a great time we had but the highlight definitely we definitely was showing up to 935 north meridian street to the office hey thanks chuck thanks chuck chuck what is your thanks i mean put I his house address out there yeah jesus <laughs> chuck i mean my do you know the amount of shit that shows up what at was this that office? again yeah easy aj you know the amount of stuff that you, you know what's going to show it's a holiday season Hey, listen, everybody, that's our old address. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We, we move. Oh, right. 
Jeez, that was just two days ago. <laughs> well, I, I guess I'm no longer wanted on the show. <laughs> All good, man. I think it's pretty obvious out yeah. there anyway. It's not a big deal, but it was great seeing you. And then obviously getting a chance to go to the game and uh, celebrate Robert and run into old players. Did you know a lot of the old guys from the first regime, or was that your first time kind of meeting everybody? A lot of them, Pat, uh, first time, you know, uh, meeting those guys had a chance a lot of those guys were just going out the door you know when when i came in um you obviously uh, you know played with those guys and things like that but like gary i knew gary brackett you know he was out that year uh justin snow you know so a lot of those guys you know were just uh just going out the door you know jp you know was still on the team that 2012 team and then bruce got the arizona job and uh and went to arizona with him and I only got to coach him for a couple games, you know, because I missed missed those twelve weeks with the cancer battle and stuff. But great group of uh, group of guys, happy as hell for Robert. That was a lot of fun um, watching him, you know, be inducted into uh, you know the Ring of Honor, and and uh, it was great sitting and and spending time with you and those guys and talking football and and life and. Yeah, it, was, it brought back so many great memories. You know, being back in Lucas Oil Stadium. God, and was it. It was freaking fabulous not being the coach, you know, and not, and not having the stress. Like, you didn't have to, you know, uh, you know, try to punt a football down inside the five-yard line, and I didn't have to make any, you know, challenges or any stupid calls or, you know, try to run some dumb kicking plays. No, you know, no, no, some good fakes, good some, fakes. You know what I mean? But great, great memories, and stress. it was stress-free, which was awesome. It was an actual celebration, which doesn't always happen at those events. I think, like, sometimes they can kind of get stuffy and kind of miss out. Everybody had a good time, and I think everybody was uh, very, you know, pumped to chat with you because Reggie's always said great things. It was a cool crew. It was great to see everybody. You fit right in. You would have been great with that group, too. Go ahead, AJ. I'm sorry about that. I was curious, Chuck, you, you talked about how stressful it may be. Like, could you describe how stressful it may be week in and week out in the NFL being a head coach? Like, I just know even at lower levels how stressful high school coaches may be eighth grade coaches like they i know how serious they take it as the the head of one of the 32 nfl franchises i would imagine like that can weigh on you a bit it's uh it's a lot um you wear you wear a lot of different hats and you know the joy of the whole job is actually getting to sunday or monday or thursday and whatever and, and getting to the game you know and getting in the middle of that you understand the stress and the pressure that comes with that and the decisions that have to be made but you know you trust the process you trust your preparation and all those things, but um, there's just there's just there's just so much, and and I was very blessed, AJ, because I had a great staff, you know, especially that that first one with, you know, BA, you know, running the offense, offense, and uh, Greg Minuski, you know, defensive coordinator, and um, you know, so we had a great coach, Clyde, we know. So, but you hired Chuck. Uh, was, sorry, to, sorry to cut you off. You hired those those guys as well. How do you know? Like when you are hiring your staff, that's a gigantic thing. Like you have to have good assistance. How do you know, because you have all these relationships, how do you not just give it to your buddies that you said, oh, 15 years ago when you guys were GAs or something, yeah, I'll bring you along if I get a head gig. Like, how do you find the good mix of people you know and then bring in some new outside voices? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and it's, uh, it's certainly a, a huge piece and uh, part of the puzzle to being successful is, is surrounding yourself with, with guys that, that know the game. And it'd be real easy, you know, because you coach for – 28 years I'd been assistant coach for 28 years before I got my first opportunity to be a head coach and so obviously there's a ton of relationships and and knew a bunch of guys and coached with a bunch of great guys and a lot of times you know like I wanted to bring a couple guys from Baltimore you know with me but 
they were under contract. And as you know, if you're under contract, even if it's an elevated position, like you're a position coach, say you coach uh, tight ends or wide receivers, and, and, you know, I wanted to bring a guy as the offensive coordinator – well, that other team, you know, Baltimore, they don't have to, they don't have to, you know, do, you know, allow you to do that. They don't let them go. If you sign a contract, you're tied to that team, you know, and, and it's, and a lot of teams don't let good, obviously don't let good coaches go. But um, again, it'd be really easy to hire a bunch of your friends, but sometimes, you know, a bunch of your great friends aren't the best coaches. So there's a, there's a balance there. Uh, you need a good, a good mix of that. And, um, uh, you know, you just hope it hope it all, hey. all works out at the end, you know. Hey, you got you ended up with BA as the offense coordinator, which hindsight ended up being perfect, but he was just let go by the Steelers, right? He was about to retire. Was that a true story? Because I remember you telling that one time in a team meeting. I think you were chatting and uh hey cuz or whatever the conversation went with BA. How did that end up happening? Because obviously that changed his career mightily to where he is now that moment now he probably would have had success or whatever he would have done but since somebody else in baltimore wasn't able to come is that why ba was thought about and it, it just so happened to be perfect timing there all of the above you know him and the steelers had just parted ways and that position was open and ba and i coached together uh, at the browns 2001 uh, through 2004 and um, so i obviously knew the pedigree and a great great coach and a great man all that stuff but yeah, he was he was uh, he was in a, a pickup truck with his with his wife Chris, and they were just driving back to Pittsburgh. They had just took a, a load of stuff down to the lake house down there in Georgia, and so he's on his way back when he picked up the phone, and I I, I said you know you know he always called everybody Cuz what's up Cuz he's like hey Cuz what's up Cuz what you doing man congratulations on that gig and uh, and so we started talking. I said well you are you retired? And he goes. Depends on what you're talking about. <laughs> Obviously, Bruce is a very, very bright guy, and and uh, he got to coach Peyton Manning back in 1998 when Peyton became a Colt and was you know number one pick and all that stuff. And so he knew we uh, we had the number one pick, and Andrew was going to be the guy. So it wasn't hard twisting the BA's arm to come to be the uh, you know the offensive coordinator. But yeah, he we flew him in the next day. Um, it wasn't much of an interview. It was just like, hey, will you come? Will you take a leap of faith and, and, and be the guy here, you know, to run this offense? And and uh, very, very fortunate, you know, that he was available. He was on the street, and then he came to Indy. And the rest is the rest is history. I mean, nobody could predict it, could have predicted what was going to transpire, you know, six months after we all got together, uh, you know, in uh, in Indy, you know, with the with that whole deal and that whole season. But and, and so happy for Bruce that the way that worked out, you know, because here's a guy that should have been a head coach long before, long before I ever got an opportunity, and it just never happened. And so to, uh, to see him, you know, uh, get that opportunity in Arizona and see him have the success now, I mean, it's just a testament to the man and the coach that B.A. is. And, um, yeah, just love the guy like everybody else. And I know you're – listen – Chuck is telling this story as of what happened, not acting as if Bruce needed this. Bruce's resume, by the time he got to Indianapolis, was already Hall of Fame. Worth. I mean, this is legend of the game. We just got really lucky, I guess, with the timing of Pittsburgh running his ass out of town. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Unbelievable. But he but, hey, so, you know, Pat, you know, like we were playing in the AFC Championship game at Baltimore. My last year in 2011, and, you know, Flacco, we're down, you know, three points. Flacco hits Lee Evans on what we thought was going to be a would-be t- 
touchdown catch, right? And the D-back knocked it out at the last second. Yeah. And then Billy, Billy Cundant thought it was third down and it was really fourth down. And so his whole process was all jacked up. So he ran out there and, and he shanked that kick, right? We missed that that yeah. tying kick to possibly go to overtime because oh, yeah. if we if we go to overtime, we end up winning that game, I don't even get to talk to Indy because how the rules were. I would have been another two weeks, you know, preparation for the uh, for the Super Bowl. So, like like BA being on the street, I mean, the stars had to line up absolutely perfect for uh, for me to end up even getting to talk to Andy, you know, and have an opportunity to become the coach and then getting BA. Uh, AJ, I apologize for like three straight here, but this is also fascinating to me. Why do you think? And you mentioned it about how BA it took forever for him to get a job and. You, it took you 28 years or whatever to become a head coach. Why do you think there's a lot, and this is happening in college football as well, why do you think names get recycled at the same positions, you think? Now, granted, obviously the McVeigh effect has changed it a little bit, but if those fail, normally the same names kind of get back in there. Is it because it's just an incredibly difficult position and you have to have experience there? Do you think owners just kind of follow other people's thoughts and examples? They don't want to make a mistake. What do you think it is? Why do you think it took so long for you, for BA, and for many? other coaches to finally get an opportunity to be a head coach when so many failures can continue to kind of get their opportunities it's being at the right place at the right time and and kind of being hot if you will you know because we've seen guys get hot you know be on teams uh you know winning records developing offenses defense whatever that is and you know i just have to be at the right place at the right time and and maybe like all these guys that are that are having these opportunities you know, it is the next Sean McVay, the next because we're like in a cycle where it's offense, mostly offensive guys, quarterback whisperer guys, guru guys like that. And so uh, to me, it was just timing. And <clears throat> again, B.A. should have had an opportunity way sooner, but the stars just didn't line up right. And it's it's just a connection. You know, it's it's somebody at, the, at the, a different team, you know, and the powers that be, you know, agents. Oh, oh no. no. Oh, no. Here's the next list of guys. Oh, oh. Like this. Are we good? <laughs> are, are, are we good? Hey, we're going to call you back. We're going to call you back. Zito just said we're going to call you back. He's in Vegas, this guy. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Tina, is Tina playing the slots? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And he was just there, too, by the way. He sprinted out of the yeah. casino to come have this fucking conversation. He is not happy, I don't think. At the beginning, you know, he's kind of like, ah, yeah, I was, just, I was on a heater. Now I'm up here doing this Jeez. thing. But he's on that hotel internet. It only gives you 15 good yeah, minutes. They don't expect right. everybody to be on it too long. They ask you to pay for it. But then whenever you actually try to use it, it only comes in spurts or whatever. Welcome back, Las Vegas. Talk. Hey. Sorry. Hey, hey. Sorry. <laughs> hey, so... So where we were at is, um, I don't know where I got cut off at, but I apologize for that. But, like, these guys have a list of names. Like, there's, a, like, the agents, this, that, and the other. So there's a group of names every year, you know, mostly from teams that are winning. You know, there'll be a, you know, Vance Joseph, the coordinator for Arizona. His name may come back up in. They're 9-2 and two, whatever. They're hot. Their defense is a top-five defense in the league. So he's going to be one of those guys, one of those names. Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs, his name is always there. You know, it's just – and it's about, uh, you know, timing, being at the right place at the right time and having a connection and, uh, you know, with a certain team. Like like with B.A., you know, we end up having that year that we had and he got to, you know, be at the helm for those 12 weeks and and did a phenomenal job, obviously. Go 9-3, and three, you know, with, with that team, uh, you know, that we had. Wasn't supposed to win a game and, you know, 32 out of 32, right, Pat, in the power rankings. And, and so then, you know, 
He goes to Chicago, and Chicago should have hired him. Yeah, they the biggest hire. mistake. The biggest mistake that they may ever made was not hiring B.A. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I think they hired who they hired Tressman. Well, Tressman yeah. was a genius. C- CFL yeah, so they, they, Gray Cups. They hired they, they hired Tressman, and they had a chance to hire B.A. And then all of a sudden, you know, Arizona's looking for a coach, and it's like, holy crap! Look at what we just you know dropped into our lap. And, and he gets the Arizona. He gets the Arizona job. So, timing timing is there. You know, these, these offensive, defensive coordinators, sometimes a special teams guy. We've seen that happen, obviously. Harbaugh's kind of paid the way for all those guys. But, you know, it's getting, you know, being at the right place at the right time on a hot team. And then once you get in front of that owner and you get in front of that, that leadership group who's making, you know, the choices, it's just about a connection. You know, Jim and I had a connection. Ryan and I had a connection for whatever reason. And I, when they called me the next day, because I flew home on that plane. I was there three hours, you know, and then they flew me back home. And. I hadn't even slept since the, the loss to, you know, New England in that AFC championship game. I said, open a bottle of wine, Tina. There's no chance we're getting that job. So we're sticking to Baltimore, <laughs> which, was, which was great because, I mean, we had a great team. And they won the championship the next year, you know, yeah. uh, the world championship. But I, I woke up, you know, uh, like 6, 7 in the morning. I looked at my phone. I had th- like three missed calls from Mr. Ursay. And I'm like, oh, shit, I blew this. I got drunk on a bottle of wine. And I missed Mr. Ursay's call. And then, no, but he called the next day. And and uh, we talked for about an hour. He offered me the job. And then I I said, I got to talk to my wife, you know, on those deals. So I called Tina. And I said, and I said, hey, look, Jim just called me. Yeah? And I go, he offered me the job. Oh, go fuck yourself. There's no way he just offered me the job. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you lie to me. Oh, I she's said, no, awesome. I'm serious. And, and I said, she said, what'd you tell him? I said, I needed to talk to you. And she goes, Jesus Christ, call him back before he changes his <laughs> <laughs> She's awesome. It was great getting to chat with her this weekend, too. Go ahead, AJ. Sorry about that. That's a, that's amazing, Coach. Now, all these college coaches, we I shouldn't say all of them, but there's, there's a good chunk of these college coaches getting these long-term deals, $95, $100 million. Do you think we, we could see over the next couple of years any NFL coaches making the jump back to college because the money is so big? Um, yeah, never. Yeah, obviously that that's definitely can happen. I, I just think it's it's crazy, uh, you know, the money that they're throwing around right now. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. And I it's think just boosters, the, right? They don't need the school don't have to raise it. It's just boosters that are paying these contracts, isn't it? No, because everybody's getting paid now with NIL. You know, name, image, image, likeness. The players, you know, athletes, student athletes are getting paid. They're they're coming up with all this money for these coaches. And I know for a fact, like USC needed to do something huge. They had to make a splash higher. And so when you go looking for one of these dudes and you try to pull them from an OU or pull them from a Notre Dame, it's like okay, Mel Tucker, he set the bar. Michigan State set the bar. When LSU came flirting around, or his agent said, hey, look. You know, LSU's flirting around with possibility of melt. Well, no, we ain't going to let that happen. So they give them a 10-year, $95 million contract. So, boom. All right. Now now everything's out the, ba- out the bag. And so now James it's Lincoln. like Lincoln Riley says, okay, we need facilities. We need this. We need that. Blah, blah, blah. Here's the contract. Claim. And the next thing you know, they get with their, their group of boosters, you know, uh, at, at Southern Cal. And they say, hey, we need $120 million. 
We need a six million dollar home. We got to buy his home in Oklahoma. Two of them. And we need a we need a jet that he's got access to twenty four seven. And one of those boosters is like, and then we can get. We got a couple. We can get we can get Lincoln Riley. And so Lincoln Riley's resume, obviously, just because of time, you know, Mel. It was at Michigan State for a year, and God bless him. I want everybody to make as much money, players, coaches, that you possibly can. Okay. I don't give a crap. I am, I'm jealous as hell. I wish I was still coaching, you know, and had a possibility of one of these deals. But, you know, I was blessed and, and have enough. But, um, yeah, he set the tone, and, and he's been there one year. And now Lincoln Riley's got – at least he's got a bunch of, you know, what is it, the Big Ten, the Big 12, whatever the conference. I don't even know what conference they're in anymore. Oh, Jesus, this you know, guy. He's got, he's, got, he's, got a, he's, got a, he's got a resume, obviously, that uh, is more than deserving. And then so Notre Dame, they got to make a splash higher. You know, they couldn't just go hire another, you know, whoever. They had to make a splash higher. And so Booster said, okay, if you can get Lincoln Riley, we'll, we'll, we'll get a group together. And uh, we'll come up with this money to pay these guys. It's, it's only going to grow. It's, it's only going to grow. By the no. way, think about Pitt. The guy paid how much? Twenty-five million dollars just to get his yeah. name in front of the head coaching title, and said, "Fucking use it however you want." <laughs> like that's what boosters do. It's insane. It's insane because some of these yeah, venture and, capitalists have infinity amounts of money. Like that is a that's an actual thing that is happening right now in the world we're in. There's people that have access. To billions and billions of not just the Bezoses and the billionaires, you know, there are these venture capitalist funds and things that people. I mean, there is so much money out there, so much money. And so, and so, like with the NFL, you know, you saw that deal today on PFF. They're talking about in the next couple of years of, of a guy making twenty five mil, you know, annually, you know, in the in the National Football League. So, I mean, that's that's right around the corner. And and for for an organization uh, and an owner to be able to get a Bill Belichick. Like to me, there's eight dudes in the league right now, you know, that you would actually give, I think, 25 million to, you know, Belichick leading that list, a John Harbaugh, a Mike, a Mike Tomlin, you know, um, you know, you know, Pete, I don't know if Pete wants to still coach, but Pete's won a Super Bowl, Andy Reid. You know, there's there's a group of guys there. We'll that, let the last three that, just be uh, up forever. Uh, you don't have to give the last three. We'll let other people decide what the last three are. So you Bruce don't get Arians, paid. Bruce Arians, okay. Sean Payton. Okay. I mean, okay. those guys. Only one left. Sirianni? Ron, Ron Rivera. Okay. Hey, Ron McVay. Mm-hmm. You know, River, Riverboat Ron. I mean, those guys are all going to be, because as soon as, soon as it happens to Mike one McCarthy? guy. Well, now, now Cliff, I mean, there's some young coaches. Exactly. There's some young coaches, you know, Sean McVay, Cliff King, but the jury's still out. Their resume is like those others. <laughs> You're right. A lot of people have been around a lot longer in the men's league having success. Speaking of having success, you guys hot in the casino down there or what? Tina's on fire. Right now? Like, like right now? Like actually active right now down in the lobby? Yeah. It's quiet time. She calls it morning gambling. She's down there hunting right now. <laughs> <laughs> She is awesome. Go ahead, Ty. Coach, how would you uh, address a team like in the NFL, one of these teams who they're still in the playoff hunt, they're 6-6, six and six, but like one week they look like world beaters and the next week they just look like they stink. Like how hard is it to actually ride that wave when there is so much uh, like left to be done in the NFL in terms of a lot of teams can still make the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I would just, I would just go before them and say, look, it's anybody's ball game right now. Like you asked me to talk to these teams, I'd say like like the Colts. I said you may think I'm blowing smoke up your asses, but you guys can win this whole freaking thing. And it just comes down to you know execution and, and and consistency and and getting off that roller coaster. But it's anybody's ball game. I mean, you look at it, 
there's there's 13 out of the 16 teams in the AFC that are that are right there. I mean, you got your seven, your four division leaders, and then you know your your you know fifth, sixth, seventh seeds, and all that. But and then the NFC, there's only there's I think eight or nine, and the rest of those guys aren't trending in the right direction to me. So, uh, yeah, I think it's anybody. I think it's anybody's ball game, you know, this year, and it's about finding finding your groove. You know, some of these teams you look at like New England. They've obviously found an identity. Yeah. They found a young quarterback. Josh McDaniels is, um, you know, he should get another opportunity, in my opinion, uh, to go lead a program if he wants to go lead a program. Probably. But the job that he's done with Mac Jones, you know, top five in offense, top five in defense, they're taking the ball away at a high, high rate. I mean, somebody's going to catch fire like that, and and uh, it's just about being consistent and, and just believing and knowing that, hey, look, if we go do the little things right and we play great situational football and we don't turn the thing over and we don't beat ourselves, you guys have said it a thousand times, you lose games in the National Football League, you don't win them. Wow. Just don't don't beat yourself. Just play play good football, stay away from the sins. Remember we used to talk about sins? Self-inflicted self negatives. negatives. You know, stay away from the sins. Gotcha, you know, and, and, and we'll have a, we'll have a chance and then, you know, you get into the tournament this year, and you're you're a little bit hot. I mean, it looked like the Eagles were, like you mentioned Sirianni, and we all laughed, but they were rolling. They found an identity, and they finally listened to somebody and said, hey, run the ball, right? So they start running the hell out of the ball, and, and my God, that was a good-looking football team. But then, you know, whatever happens, happens, and you go lose a game to the Giants, and, and you're right back in the toilet. But Giants stink. Anyway. Hey, Chuck, if you do take over a team, like let's say you become a head coach or anyone does, is there – and you want to bring your culture and, and kind of build your brand of what the team's going to be. Is there a certain amount of time you need to kind of instill that? Yeah, but you don't get it anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what's unfortunate right now. You need a couple years. A, you know, you, you, yeah, absolutely. You need a couple draft class. You need a couple years because you can go like like college. You go like go the easy route and say, hey, look, I'm going to just go uh, JUCO. Go you know recruit a bunch of junior college. Go get a bunch of JB dudes. You know from junior college. And bring those guys in for quick JB fixes, dudes. but it's not long term. You can't build a, a program that's that's consistent and win at a level like like you know New England does. So like these teams that you know you do need time. You need a couple years. You need a couple draft classes. You know these guys like these new coordinators in the league. Like like Pittsburgh has a new coordinator this year, right? Offensively, Canada, yeah. Canada, right? Uh, Shane Waldron up in Seattle. I mean, you got two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I think at both these places. You know, getting up there in age, this, that, and the other, but that takes time. You know, and but the problem is, is that you know we live in the you know Burger Burger King uh, society mentality. I want it now, and I want it my way. Oh, you know, and, oh, and you don't, nice. you don't, you, you know. <laughs> I mean, players want it that way. Coaches, you know, owners, we everybody wants it that way. But you don't get the time, and and uh, it's like college. When I spent seventeen years in college. And you, you need, you know, four or five recruiting classes, and you have to go through some growing pains to build that program because you got the foundation has to be built on rock and not sand because there's going to be storms. Oh. And, 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 and really, administration, you just don't, you don't get the time anymore. They just, they just don't give you the time anymore. It's, you got to win and win now. Celebrity impressions. I wish you had more time. Ooh. <laughs> Go ahead, Dix. Coach, uh, when you're hired as a DC and then to the head coach, did you feel more pressure to have your defense perform versus the offensive side of the ball because that's where you came from? No doubt about it. 
Yeah, no, they, this is a defensive guy, blah, 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 and this is what we're going to bring in. And so it was like, hey, we got B.A. Offense is going to be spectacular. You got the quarterback whisperer for, for Andrew Luck and all that stuff and, and Coach Clyde. But, yeah, no, you feel, you feel the pressure of, of being able to. And that's why, you know, Greg Minuski was a defensive coordinator Legend. when I first got there. Legend. And, uh, Legend. Great, 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 great dude. He is, Legend. He is the, Legend, yeah, he was a great dude and a great football coach and a great football mind, and and we come from similar backgrounds uh, schematically and things like that. So yeah, it was it was really important because I think the expectation from everybody is, hey, this is a defensive guy, whether you're an offensive guy, or whatever, we're going to roll on that side of the ball. Let's just hope the others, you know, work out. So the expectation is always there. Minoska's classic. He had his handlebar mustache at some times. He, it, I don't remember. Did he? Uh, in my head, and my immediate thought is he would have an entire tin. In is that is that wrong? Did he was he no? He wasn't a dipper, was he? I don't remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought so. And then, and then he had these shit kickers too. He wore whenever we traveled. I fucking love that guy. I and then people would share stories about him to me about whenever he was younger. He is is he still coaching? I hope the league still has Greg Minuski somewhere. He has to be somewhere. He's right? in Kentucky. He's a Kentucky. He's, a, he's, a, he's an analyst down there at Kentucky. You remember Brad White? Yeah. Defensive line, yeah, Brad, right? D-line. He was, he was the outside linebacker there it coach. Is, yeah. He came as quality control, then he uh, outside linebackers when he, you know, at the end there. And then Good dude. The DC down at, yeah, down at D, uh, Kentucky now is the defensive coordinator. Minuski down there as an analyst. Oh. Legend. man, uh, A man's man, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Connor. <laughs> yeah, Coach, is that same head coach expectation the reason Frank Reich throws the ball 44 times when he's up by 10 <laughs> and has Jonathan Taylor in the backfield and doesn't just hand it off to him? Hey, we were in that building, dude. We were in that building. Nobody was wondering. Everybody was wondering why the fuck we're not running the ball right now. Frank had a long answer, though, that made a lot of sense. Did he? I didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't watch his presser. I got to go back. I just know everybody was was screaming, you know, run the damn ball, you yeah. know. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I don't. And again, I, you know, he broke a couple runs here and there, and and uh, you know, early on, you run looks like you're running right into a brick wall with Vita Bay in there, and this, that, and the other. And sometimes you're like, you just abandon it, and maybe abandon it too early, but. There's no mulligans. You don't get any do-overs, you know, so. Yeah, he said, you know, he said he actually wished we would have wanted to throw earlier because we we're having so much success with it, which, by the way, makes sense as a play caller, a man who studies 15 hours of film every single day to decide what they're going to do. And Vita Vea and Sue are massive. And we saw Vita Vea just literally eat a helmet and not mm-hmm. even care. I mean, that is a tough thing to go. But you got a potential MVP in the backfield. Uh, those are why, those decisions are why head coaches and offensive play callers are play callers. And I am not. We can't thank you enough for joining us and spilling your brain into our program. Appreciate you guys. Hey, tell Tina to keep kicking ass over there. Take every <laughs> dollar out of that casino. We appreciate you, ladies and gentlemen. Chuck Pagano. Yeah, so sorry for interrupting, but the holidays are just around the corner. Are you looking for the perfect gift for your loved ones? The past year has taught us how important sharing moments with friends and family actually is and how hard it is to stay in touch when they're far away. Skylight is the perfect gift for that. Skylight Frame is a photo frame you can update instantly by email from anywhere. It sets up effortlessly in under six seconds. Just plug it in, use the touchscreen to connect to your wireless network, and enjoy. It's so simple that even my non-tech savvy mom and dad could set it up and use it. (laughs) 
you get it. It is very easy to set up. Multiple people can send photos to the frame, so it's a great way to keep large networks of friends and families in touch. It comes in a black frame and white mat, so it looks like a real photo frame that adds a beautiful touch to your home. Now, as a special offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter code McAfee. To get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter code McAfee. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com, promo code M-C-A-F-E-E. Keep in touch with the friends and the family that aren't necessarily around every day with Skylight. Back to the show. We have no idea where the next icon legend is joining us from, but let's get right to it. Currently touring, he'll be in Indianapolis December 16th, 17th, and 18th. Five shows. I assume they're all sold out. He'll be coming to a town near you to absolutely crush it. Ladies and gentlemen, creator of F is for Family, the Bill Burr Monday Morning Podcast. So many incredible stand-up specials. Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Burr. Hey, what's going on? Jesus Christ, I look like the Crypt Keeper here. Yeah, you look pretty pale. Pretty, pretty pale, Bill. Yeah. All right, with your stupid, sleeveless ah, t-shirt, your guns out, right. Come compensating because you were just a kicker. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, it's because uh, I got yeah, You're tough for a kicker. I got it. I got it. <laughs> hey, that means a lot. It actually means a lot. I appreciate that. And if we could let everybody else know I'll that. I'll tell you this, you're funnier than most comics I know. Wow. <laughs> Hey, I'm fucking putting that on the epitaph, dude, uh, for sure. Uh, we appreciate you joining us, Bill. You're the man. I've always been a big fan, as has AJ, everybody like that. Uh, Boston guy. We'll start with sports, and then I would like to dive into Suburbs. Your- Suburbs of Boston. I always got to clarify that. I was not in uh, Goodwill Hunting. I wasn't stealing cars. I was playing hockey in a cul-de-sac with a pie cooling on the windowsill. Okay. All right. So in the suburbs of Boston, in a beautiful neighborhood, yes. uh, Bill Burr, you're, you're a big Bruins fan? Is that is that your team? Yes. Patriots as well? You love all Boston teams, or is there one more so than the other? Probably uh, it's a fight between the Bruins and the Patriots, but I think it might be the Bruins. Well, the Bruins stink. You know, Penguins Whoa. are going to win that entire thing. I mean, let's not even – that's the only team I'm, like, a fan of, actually, is the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Patriots are always good. Is that because they have Ulf Samuelson in their <laughs> ring of honor? <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah hey, you know, when I think of honorable players, I think of Ulf Samuelson. That's why Penguin fans are so friggin' annoying. It's like if you're going to have Ulf Samuelson in your ring of honor, I don't want to hear you whining when, when Sid takes a cross-check to the teeth. <laughs> I mean, you should put that guy in your ring of honor. He's playing like Ulf. Oh, jeez. You're an animal. I, uh, I love the fact that you have never changed, it seems like, Bill. Is that, a, is that an accurate assessment? How has that happened? You're like one of the only people. And I've talking heard you- about I lost my hair. Well, the appearance and the pale skin, I don't know if you've gotten paler somehow throughout your days, but you've never changed, it seems like. How have you been able to do that? And especially in the world that you're in with the things you talk about. How, how has that happened, you think? Uh, low self-esteem, no self-worth, you know, always feeling like you're, you're not, you're, you know, next week you're not going to be here. It has nothing to do with that I was raised right. It's just <laughs> it's a healthy level of hating yourself. I can respect hey, how do you, but you're a legit actor now, Bill. Like you, you are in big time movies. How do you do that when you get on screen? I would imagine it's a little bit out of your comfort zone. Like, how does that feel? Oh, yeah, I was out of my comfort zone for a while, but I just, the... Stand-up was out of my comfort zone in the beginning. So I just, the, um, 
the sort of tricks that I learned to get myself and free myself up as a comedian, I just started doing with, uh, with acting. And it took me longer with acting just because, uh, you know, acting's a real hard game to get into, is all I can tell you. Even if you're taking an acting class, it's like once a week and you get up and you get to do it once. Maybe you rehearsed a couple times. But, um, you know, if you get on like a show, what really helped my acting more so than anything this wouldn't even make sense was doing F is for Family and doing voiceover work. And that's when, you know, when I, the first season of F is for Family, they, all right, give me three line reads. And I was literally that guy from Jiminy Glick, like up and Adam, up and Adam, up and I would just do it three the same way. And then I started to learn, oh, I can, uh, you know, put my inflection on this word. I can say it this word. I can make this choice. And once I got the skills to do voiceovers three different ways, that kind of bled into my acting. And um, yeah, and then I, you know, I don't know why I keep getting, I keep locking out that really super talented people, you know, write these amazing shows and I come in for like an episode or two. No. Look, I, I was, I did like three or four sketches on Chappelle's show, three or four episodes of Breaking Bad couple episodes of the mandalorian i mean i have no business being on those shows and i'm not good enough to create them but somehow i parrot troop into them you know and i and i get a little bit of of, you know everybody else what they're doing somehow people think i'm a part of it and i'm really just saying what they wrote well you say it in a beautiful fashion i think a lot of fans of yours from your stand-up and following you uh, get incredibly pumped for you when you get these opportunities, like in the fucking Mandalorian. I mean, who would have thought? I mean, that's awesome. Like, we all get yeah. very excited for you. But I feel like with comedians, Kevin Hart's doing it. Chappelle has had some serious roles. But even in the past, making the turn to the serious acting, I don't want to say looks easy. I guess it's not with the way you're describing it. But why do you think some comedians have that ability to go to drama so easy? Kevin Hart right now is in the middle of some, like, really serious shit, as are you. And then you still have the incredible comedy ability but why do you think those two are like a crossover? Oh, why, why comedians can do like dramatic stuff? Well, I mean, first of all, it's maybe harder for comedians uh, to get that stuff because they just look at you like, you know, they, the, the first thing they see you is doing stand-up. Oh, this guy's hilarious. I want to, you know, she's hilarious. Let's get her in a rom-com or something like that. So I think uh, what, I've, what I've always found is that quality will get you there. So if you... You know, with your acting stuff, like, you just have to go for something that looks like it's really written well, the people really know what they're doing, and there's a really good story there. Um, and then you look at the money last. And the money will come, but you got to kind of make, like, uh, I'm hoping it will. Money will come <laughs> eventually, but, like, you got to, like, you got to go for quality. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, uh, I guess in your business, it'd be like, you know, you know, jumping on the free agent team versus something that, you know, you have a good coach, a good GM, a good owner. The whole thing is there. Um, I think that that's why, you know, uh, the Patriots had the success that they had because they were hitting on all three of those, you know, where the Colts weren't. Oh, yeah. All right, fuck off, all right? Where you had an ambulance chaser for an owner. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> who was conducting his own investigation. No! For some reason, we we're being upheld by the commissioner, which is one of the most... I mean, that was looked like an uh, uh, episode of Dukes of Hazard. 
Well, listen, who did that report? That he did everything but put fake fire hydrants no, outside. No, no, Jim. Writing tickets. No, Jim would have done that. I, I hope that's in the man in the arena, by the way. I'm excited to see, like, Tom cover that side of the whole thing. I hope it's in there. Have you been watching that? I, have, I, I don't watch anything. I watch sports, and then that's it. And I just, I really just, I got to be honest with you. There's such an overwhelming amount of great stuff out there. And it's just, I just, I, I, I can't deal with it. You, I get on Netflix. It's like, I want to watch all of this. <laughs> so do you and stay unplugged? Like, do you stay unplugged to everything? I've seen you give an answer about getting canceled or something. And you said, like, by who? If you don't get on the internet, who, like, who, who cancels you? And that was one of the most profound things I've ever heard in my entire life, which I'm sure you hear all the time. I mean, I'm sure that is something you no, hear all it's, the time. It's real, though. Yeah, I mean, it, well, they say somebody's canceled, and then they put their name up at a club, and they sell out. <laughs> so, like, what is that? That They're not, like, you're, you're at, you've been canceled. Like, me, like, they speak for everybody, and they don't, you know? And, you know, I mean, I could, like, talk about some names, but I don't want to get, like, shit going again for people. But, like, it's just not the case. And I have to be honest with you, like, Living in L.A. or living in New York in show business is no different than living in a small town in the middle of nowhere. You have a a very slanted perspective, and you have to you have to go out and be amongst all different kinds of people, especially people that think differently than you, to really then maybe on a, a little higher level understand what's going on out there. But like, there's a reason why. You know, people in, in, in red states think Hollywood and New York City are out of their mind. And there's a reason why New York City and L.A. thinks that red states are just flyover states and you can blow them all off. It's because they don't interact. <laughs> and real. neither side knows what the hell they're talking about. The amount of people that shit on Hollywood and have never been out there is, is the same number of people that make fun of Des Moines, Iowa, that have never been there. Des Moines is beautiful. Des Moines is a beautiful place. Yes. Des Moines is beautiful. Not in February. <laughs> no, That's right. when I used to do all my college gigs. That's when I finally understood Slipknot. I was like, how the hell did they get so damn angry out in this beautiful country out here? And then I had a college gig in like February, and all the crops were cut down. And it was overcast, gray, just meeting this. I felt like I was on the moon. It was, I was, it was just the bleakness and just the endless, the thing of it. It was like, uh, yeah, it was like, I was like, wow, man, I, this must get like, like what you would have to do to, 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 to get the blood going out here, man. It's just like, I mean, that is like, that's like, you got to be tough. Oh, yeah. To live out there. So, I mean, that's, that's something, um, I don't know, just being a comedian, the great thing about being a comedian, if you play all markets, if you don't give yourself a cupcake schedule and just go out to where your act is going to work and you really go out there and, you know, you go to places where it shouldn't work and you play in, all, all in front of all different kinds of crowds and all different kinds, if the, the more you do that, the, the you know, I think the funnier you get because, uh, and I gotta be honest with you, a lot of these places you think you don't want to go, they are easy gigs because you get to play the easiest thing ever, fish out of water. Like, you know, yeah, I'm from here. I've never seen anything like this. And they just, you know. I mean, at the end you had to dump on them. Again. I mean, there was a lot of buildup and then you had to shit on them there at the end. That's classic. Hey, Bill. Sit on them. I was making fun of myself. Oh. I was making fun of how you can play fish out of water 
Being oh, like, you're well, the idiot. You know, oh, yeah. Yes. yes. Oh, okay. I, you know, I'm from New York City. I'm here coming out here seeing all this cattle. Whoa. <laughs> 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 It's like some cheeky. There's like no, some there's no laugh, really like, even a joke there. They yeah. just, yeah, cheap yeah, like hack. Hey, Bill, I wanted to mention your, your podcast is awesome. I've been listening for a long time. Some of your greatest things come during your live reads. Your live ad reads. You have some Sherry's Berries ads from back in the day that are are all time oh, yeah. that I would re-listen. I would like to listen to again at times. Or is that something? I feel like you were one of the first to kind of have fun with ad reads. Did you ever get any any pushback from those companies? State Farm or anything. Yes, and I never, uh, I never take the phone call. The, the running joke is Bill is not available. <laughs> so what they don't understand is that if I just do a straight read, I mean, it's a podcast. You can just plow forward. So I always looked at it like just because I'm doing advertising, the show doesn't stop because I need you to listen to these ad reads if they're going to keep advertising. So the people that advertise have to have a thicker skin that, you know, we got like something, um, we do, I don't, me and Verzi do something on the anything better. There's, there's some sort of thing like if, if you're having uh, problems having an erection. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, they Roman. Send you, they, yeah, and they send you this thing and they go, it's an unmarked package. Oh, yeah, discreet. So like the Joe, yeah, 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 his dick doesn't work. <laughs> you just, you throw that in there, that keeps people laughing and listening. And they'll listen to the advertising, and then you know if they need it, <laughs> they'll buy some. Yeah, yeah. For some reason some certain companies don't understand that. Like there was, there was one called uh, Nature Box, and oh. I was for some reason misreading it as Nature's Box, oh. like possessive. <laughs> so I go, oh, geez, they're talking about Mother Nature's clam. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, look at this. You guys are all laughing, yeah. and you're going to listen to the whole thing and possibly get it. They yeah. did not see it that way. We had, a, we had a, we agreed to disagree. Uh, we had a couple of those. State Farm was on one show. It was awesome. Uh, yeah. And we appreciate you trailblazing. The bill is not available. It works because you're Bill Burr. It doesn't necessarily work for us. I, I do see the emails, and they are not exactly thrilled with everybody's input. Um, I want to kind of. Uh, they just half those people that just justifying their. Death. Oh no, they, like, shit! I mean, we could go in on this bill if we wanted to. We do not have enough time. These motherfuckers are the they're worst. They're stupid. They're, they're the fucking they worst, so. Bill. They are the worst. I mean, it is. I mean, you're a trailblazer. If they would just understand how dumb our audiences are, <laughs> they, they they would just let us do what we do. Yeah. Well, anybody should let you do what you do, and which leads me to this: you and Chappelle. At a very interesting time, I think, in stand-up comedy in the world, felt like with his sticks and stones in your Paper Tiger release, kind of back and forth, it was almost like a shot, I feel like, at the entire state of the world. Did you guys have a conversation about that? Did you know that that's what you were going to do? It was almost like you guys had to, like, and you're the only two that could do it, to say, like, hey, this is how... That's All of that, none of that is true. We have no conversation, and everybody can do it. This is a time to be irreverent and it's also a time to be empathetic and you have to know how to do both and these these people that are on the extreme right and left i, I think only represent about 15 percent of the population and you when you anytime you're hardcore or extreme you inevitably become intolerant so, uh, you know, I just feel like 85% of the country on the right and the left is kind of sitting there like, when are dad and mom going to stop screaming at each other? And um, the thing is, is I don't do anything in my act 
that's malicious. I'm not going out there to hurt anybody, but like I also have the right to say whatever I want to say and say it the way I want to say it. And that's it. I'm not saying that I, I ever haven't made mistakes. I mean, there's times I've, I've, you know, pissed somebody off or made somebody cry. And if they come up and they, and they have a legitimate thing, then I'll, I'll apologize to them. But I'm not apologizing to a bunch of fucking people because I told a joke that they weren't at. <laughs> well, I, to- I told a joke at a show you weren't at. Like, all right, so like, how is that my fault? But then I understand, I guess, with like a, uh, uh, like, listen, I never had anything like Dave had. Dave had basically the comedy Cuban Missile Crisis <laughs> like, for like, like 10 days of, you know, whatever that was. But like, I think comedians are easy targets. Whereas, you know, they don't, um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that went on that they, that barely got any coverage. Pharmaceutical companies came up with synthetic heroin. How many people did they basically murder? Murdered them. But they advertise on these big news corporation channels, so they're not going to get in trouble. Comedians don't advertise. So I do a Caitlyn Jenner joke in a strip mall, and they act like a friggin', the friggin' sky is falling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I could see how, I could see how it's, that. It's, it's safe outrage. It's absolutely 100% safe. They're not going to talk about that swirl of trash out in the ocean. They're not going to talk about banks and all companies, you know, running our, 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 our foreign policy. They're not going to make fun of the NFL acting like they're being patriotic while they're charging that branch of the, of the, of the military for a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm at the game and I don't take my hat off, oh, are you unpatriotic? It's like you're making money off of these people. You're saying oh, you got me on a rant here. You're saying so, Bill. You're saying there is. You're saying it's interesting what people pick and choose to be openly outraged about. As opposed, aren't they virtue signaling, Bill? Trying to say like, hey, I'm better than this person. Or look how good yeah. I am. Yeah. I don't use any of those 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 sayings. <laughs> Social justice warrior, virtue signaling, any of that. No, I just think that it's uh, – no, I, I don't think that people that do stuff like that, uh, they don't believe that stuff, but I just feel like the level of coverage that it gets. It's, I always compare it to like a tornado just came and blew down your house, and your focus is we need a new toaster. <laughs> okay? It's not like we don't need a new toaster, but shouldn't we build the fucking house here first? <laughs> Before we start talking about appliances. Yeah. Like the sleep okay. of the It was roof. like 130 degrees out in like half a dozen cities. That's literally too hot to go outside. We have to fucking do something. And we're going to spend our time flipping out about stand-up specials. <laughs> All right. I mean, you can do that. I don't think that, you know... Hey, you haven't spent much time thinking about this, huh? Not at all. This is all just right off the cuff, huh? I mean, basically, yeah. It's that much common sense because I'm in it. I mean, you're sitting there. You're the one who's sitting there. Did you and Dave call each other before your specials and saying we're going to do that? I mean, the f- yeah. Like, that's like real, though. Hey, that's real. That Typical co- fucking Indianapolis no! <laughs> oh! Look, I'm Look not it. from he's, here. He's going to try to get me suspended. No, cancel, cancel, cancel. Indefinitely is what will be the word. No, but it was, as an outsider looking in, as big fans of all of you, and I know, I think it was the Comedy Store, right? The Comedy Store is where you all were hanging out there for a while. It looked like the best place of all time. It was like Chappelle, you, Rogan, Hart, they were like hanging out. Kreischer, Segura. It was like all the comedians basically that you ever hear of were getting, but was that the place? Comedy store. And I think like the specials, oh Jesus. 
Jesus Christ. The specials. Yeah, it was very special. It made me drool. <laughs> the specials came out after that. So I thought there was like a potential, you know, like, hey, we're the only ones that could do this. And Netflix, I mean, I mean, they were like, hey, here you go. You guys can do whatever. That's been great support by them. But that's why I thought that. It wasn't like yeah. I'm reading into the headlines that you two are trying to take down the fucking world, dude. No way. No way. Yeah, I know. That was just everything that people always attach to it. But like Ted Sarandos has been huge. And for everybody. He's been huge for everybody. He has stood by everybody. If he signs on to do your special, that guy, no matter where you're at, he stands by everybody. And um, I feel like there needs to be, you know, I'm very thankful that that guy um, is wired the way that he is is wired because I, I really feel like people going around and telling comics what they can and can't joke about. I mean, the amount of people who do that who aren't even funny is hilarious to me. That would be like somebody tone deaf telling a musician what notes they can and can't play. It's like, can you even write a song? Like, like How do you think he's able to do that? says that to me, I go, you know what? Do me a favor. Tell me a joke. <laughs> I, I want to gauge what level funny you are to see if I should actually listen to your constructive criticism of my shit jokes. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> How is he at? able? How can he stand up, though? Uh, Ted Sarandos, he runs Netflix. How is he able to stand up? There's other people that probably want to, but they feel pressure and they can't. Um, or they I won't, know. I should They don't say. have advertising. Uh-huh. They don't have advertising. You know, people get, like, offended, and then it's, 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 a, it's a, like, it feels like it's a uh, very plotted out, getting offended you get offended you say you're offended and then you go after advertisers and you try to pressure and bully them it's kind of funny they kind of do what they say they're against and um you know there's listen there's there was a lot of horrible people and they got rid of a lot of bad people and that type of stuff but they also went after a lot of people and they ruined people's lives that didn't necessarily even do anything and um you know, I thought I felt like the whole, you know, a lot of it was really sexist. It kind of became this narrative oh, that geez. like uh, if there's something toxic going on, it's only being done by a guy. And that somehow women, I guess, were just all like there's no psycho sociopath like women out there that are in positions of power abusing it. It's just like, you know, just generally speaking. Hey, Bill, when you it's say just, stuff like thing, that, the whole thing is just like. The whole thing, if you just look at it, is so fucking ridiculous. But it's like most things. It started off with what it was trying to achieve and is trying to achieve. I don't think anybody disagrees with. But when you just put a blindfold on and start swinging a sickle, I mean, it's like, whoa, whoa, hey, hey. What are we doing here? I think life is cyclical, though. I think there is people that are on the same side as you, although it has maybe taken a very, very long time. Some people are like, okay, let's not get, you know, because I think we got to be a little bit more guided in who we attack. I think there's a lot more people on that side. To your point about the 15%. Somebody attacked should be allowed to defend themselves and people should be allowed to support who they they, they want. Like like the extreme people in that. I, I, I don't like to listen to them any more than the mouth breathers on the other side are like, yeah, fuck cancel culture. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to listen to that idiot either. Yeah, we, neither do we. Because more often than not, he want, he's basically saying, I'd like to be able to continue dropping the N-word wherever I want to. <laughs> like, that's, that's his idea of fuck cancel culture. Because I'm not – because I kind of do a joke in my act. Like, when I'm fucking around, 
If I get too many white guys in the crowd going like, yeah, all right, <laughs> I start going, all right. I know what that. I don't know what you're hearing, but I'm not saying it like that. <laughs> uh, classic. I think that is why you have so many fans, by the way, because anybody can get it from you. And I think that is like just kind of lost on society, you, you know, because once they hear you attack one person or say something that's very true in a hilarious fashion, clever fashion, it took time to execute. They're like, oh, I hate this person forever. It's like, well, wait, if you stick around, I think he's going to bury somebody that you don't like either. If you just wait a little bit, there's going right. to come and go. And that's why. But that narrative that it's gone is once again, it's, it's not. This is a whole this, the sky is falling period that we're in. It's just like my act works when I go out there and it isn't like I'm teaching anybody. Anything. Hey, how about Philadelphia? Like, Philadelphia still work? Whenever you go to, do you ever go back to Philly, you know, after the three yeah, this minutes? Is what's funny about Philly. Philly does that to somebody every six weeks. So <laughs> within a year and a half, they had forgotten they'd even booed me. Everybody else remembered, but they didn't. I remember I went to Philly the next time I went there and I brought, I brought, I made some merchandise about the set and nobody bought it. <laughs> They're like, what is this? They're like, remember you guys boo me? And they were like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You made a shirt about it? <laughs> How often uh, when you tour, are you working like for new specials every single time? Every single time you tour, is that the only purpose of touring? Is for a new special? Is that what everybody can assume? And how does that kind of work no, for you? I'm touring. I got to make some money. I got to pay for shit. Um, <laughs> and then also, hopefully... If my tour dates aren't too close together, I can keep trying to grow as a comic and try to like work on, you know, there's some new stuff that I'm trying to do and develop. And, you know, you know, after a while, what you should do be doing is just sort of competing with whatever you did last to see if you can improve on some stuff. You know, you know, Pat, it's like, you know, you hit an upright. All right. I get it. I get it. Did you used to hear that sound when you would lay your head down? It's unbelievable how loud it is. It is. It's loud. It's embarrassing. I mean, everybody's there. They see it. They hear it. And then you got two refs going, yeah, no. No, in case you guys are wondering. Nope. That was not good, actually. I mean, it's a whole thing, Bill, obviously. Okay, I want to stick up for a kicker. Who? The guy in the Buffalo Bills. Oh, way back? The guy that missed? Dude, it was a 48 fucking yarder. Everyone was acting like it was a layup. We're talking like back in the fall of the 90s back there? Yeah. All right, I'm happy you're sticking up for this guy. It's been a long time this guy's been taking a lot of heat, Bill. He's the fucking Steve Bartman of field goal kicker. (laughs) He got screwed. He wasn't nervous. He wasn't scared. It just didn't hook back in. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I I don't understand. All right. I don't understand. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Ty. Bill, talking about your acting career at this point, like, do you seek out anything, or is it basically like you said, like when people? First who... of all, who the fuck are you? Hey, that's Ty. <laughs> like, that's where did Ty. this come from? Did I just change shows? <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a crew. They got a crew here, Bill. Ty. You let interns ask questions. No, interns no, some no. Progressive fucking sports show. No, he's from Iowa. They yeah, he's from I Iowa. Say shit on <laughs> shit on, on Des Moines. You, you know, should I mean. talk to people from there. Bill. Is, is this dressed down Wednesdays? No, Try to sell merch here, Bill. But no, do you do you seek <laughs> out right, anything? Sorry, go or, ahead. or do you just like, you know, when someone like Judd Apatow or something like that, like, are you just waiting for that at this point? Like, you're not auditioning for anything, are you? Like, I mean, I know you created F is for Family, but like, do you seek out anything? 
Yeah, if I see something on TV, I um. Oh, look at me wearing the merch right here. Reservation dogs. Oh, is it dressed I, on uh, day? That's a great hoodie. Is that a zipper? Oh, yeah. love that. I'm in my house. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I'm at work. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's on me. All right. I'll, next time I'll wear the. You're dressed like the guy in every coming of age movie that's dating the cheerleader and treating her like shit. <laughs> no, you know? no, 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 no. Different, different costume. Different costume. What? I thought um, I had a jacket. I don't. I don't no, even have something. No, I definitely. I, I, you know, when you get an agent, your your job is to communicate to them what you want to do. And uh, I fortunately have a stand-up career, so I can be picky. So I, I don't have to do stuff if, if, um, if you know, I know I need to keep my, my health insurance. A lot of actors, you know, people will judge someone. What the hell was he in this piece of shit for? Or she was in this thing. It was like because they had to keep their insurance and they got kids. So they said, fuck it. I'll do it. So um, I've been lucky enough that, uh, you know, I got a great agent, picks out great stuff, and um, if it makes sense, if I can fit it into my schedule. And I also, another thing, too, is I feel like if it's something that I can do that's going to let me do something a little different because I learned with, like, trying to build an acting career, it's like building a wall. So you got to kind of just keep putting the bricks like this. He's doing a comedy. He's doing a little drama, a little Uh sci-fi. And then they'll see like, okay, yeah, but if you just do this, comedy, 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 then when you go, hey, I want to do this drama thing, they're like, well, you you only only do it this way. So figuring that out. Hey, that's awesome to watch. Stacking bricks. Hey, why are you doing theater still? Like you're doing five theater shows here in Indianapolis. They'll all sell out. Every single one of them will sell out. I assume everywhere you go sells out. You talk about, hey, when I go and do my shows on the road or everywhere, do you like the theaters? Is that your thing? I, I assume you'd be doing arenas at this point. And I, it, I, everybody's doing arenas at this point, it seems like, in the comedy world because of how much I think the appreciation has grown through the quarantine thing. But is that something you don't want to do? Is it too big? Is it you like the theaters? You enjoy them? I have a couple next year, but... Uh... You know, why else, you know, what sucks is if you do an arena. First of all, you got to pay to rent the thing. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's quite an operation. And then secondly, like, uh, I love Indianapolis and I like to hang there. And if I just do one giant show, I just kind of go in and I leave. And then I'm not going to be there again for another couple of years. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, I have ancestors from out there you know nobody alive anymore but like you know farmlands in indiana and like there's like a connection that i have out there i used to go out there as a kid in the midwest they don't have fraps they have they have malts which are just i think are, are infinitely better okay. if there's still a bob's big boy out there i'm i'm hitting it no, so i mean i, I mean i assume when I, when I, go on, I don't think bob survived covid i don't no, know if, no way i don't know if big boy bob is going to survive oh, omicron they either were so uh, good. I don't, yeah but they were great they were obviously very good yeah yeah i was a big fan of those and uh yeah i that's another thing too when i do the road is i try to book something fun around it like there's a there's a ford f100 show out in tennessee that i've always wanted to go to and this year i think i'm finally going to try to get out there and uh yeah and then i'll meet all of these people that work on their own trucks who when when do you ever get to do that and then what they talk to me goes into my brain for references perspective empathy silly shit and all of that and it just kind of adds you know if you get to a certain level and you just go hotel arena private jet you know your act's just going to shrivel up you know, what's up with Louis Vuitton luggage? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Becomes tough, huh, to be relatable there. The the scheduling around big events 
is classic. Like right now, for instance, in Vegas, it's the Nationals Finals Rodeo. Yeah. You know, like mm -hmm. is that the type of fun? What like what type of things are you trying? I would love to go to that. Me too. Like I think it would I don't be know, incredible. You know, I yeah. To do that and i like uh yeah i got a you know i have a redneck side of me like i love uh cab over engine trucks i used to love those when i was oh, a okay. kid right. and i would literally <laughs> buy one if i had a place to put it <laughs> <laughs> all right well hey bill we appreciate the hell out of your time man this was an incredible like one of the best conversations i've ever had in my life i appreciate this all right. Well, I don't understand why it took you so long to get me on this show. I'm well, a huge fuck. fan of yours. I think, I think you're hilarious. So don't be a stranger. I don't know if you All mean right? that or not. I don't know if you mean that or not. But no, I, I do. And by the way, you know what I've been singing about the Patriots season so far? Huh. It's beginning to look a lot like 2001. Who is this Mac Jones? <laughs> and we got Billy fucking B working on our fucking D. And all the Colts fans are gonna cry. Go fuck yourselves, everybody. I'll see you in Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see you. Man. Another week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Bill Burr. Thank you, man. All right, we'll see you. Can't thank you enough for allowing us all to penetrate your ear holes on this glorious day. We'll be back manana with a big-time super boost Thursday Night Football Thursday where we saddle the 10-dig super boost horse and ride that thing to Heaterville. And that starts tomorrow night. Uh, we can't thank you enough. Ty, please play some independent music and propel these people know beautiful. Coach us up, Chuck, Wednesday night. Cheers.